Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 128 of RPG Digest. In segment one of this live stream formatted podcast, we provide first look introductions or deep dive read throughs of tabletop role playing games. In segment two, we provide, I'm one day going to get through this damn thing without effing it up like that. In segment two, we provide overviews, fundamentals, and the occasional how to of systems, settings, and the mechanics of various tabletop RPGs. Of course, we'll spice it up with bad language. I mean, with our opinions, thoughts, and experiences. I am John Maxley Auschlow, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me today, as usual, is I was going to say Orange Man Good, but he fixed it. So we'll say the personification of the power of chi, Brett, Ethan Dog Grissomer. Hello, everyone. That was a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah, the color's a little weird. I might have to fix it uh, during the show, but uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I'm feeling better. I'm not 100%. I still got some congestion, but it's much better than not being able to get out of bed. You can hear the nasally nasally tones in there. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, still a little bit of congestion, but it's fine. Hello, Skullman, Derek Pappas, and Crafty, of course. Got some comments on the Rumble side already, too. Here we go. Rumble's picking up. Outstanding. So other yeah, than trying uh, to die, how was your week? It was, well, besides that, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, it really was the highlight of the week, apparently. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Except for... I was going to say, wait a second. Yeah. Except for Friday night. We had uh, episode two of the Legion Myth Merc Company, which uh, I had a blast. I thought it was more fun than the first episode. I liked them both. I, I, really I mean, I, I can't pick a favorite, but I liked them both. Yeah, I, I really did because uh, I, I really liked the. Uh, uh, you like the Apple- ending. Come on. You like the ending. Okay, of course. Of course, of course, the ending was was appropriate for my character and I'm glad it happened. But it couldn't. We could not have had that that beautiful Goldilocks ending without if not, yeah. if, if not for the tribes and tribulations of the corporal and private. Abbott and Costello of the, of the <laughs> stealthy world. They went in there and it, it, you really should watch it. I'm, I'm going to give a little, little, little synopsis there. There, the whole thing was to infiltrate this town, uh, to discover where all of the, all the important places were because we had to, uh, we had to close a portal, uh, a rift in the middle of the town and we were paid to do it. So they went and did that. And, uh, uh, the, the, the initial operative went in during the day, just walked in, say, Hey, I'm a trader. Oh, come on in trade your goods. And everyone was nice to him. Children were playing. Everyone was cool. He was like, wow, these people are nice. I really don't want to murder them now. And, and then during the night, the other one came in <laughs> nightlight and, uh, and it was a cavalcade of errors and, and bad roles and, and, uh, couldn't could have couldn't fight against his crazy psychosis and his report was drastically different than than the first operative so we had to assume that during the day these people were really nice but at night they turned into monsters and spell slingers and and killers and and you know like rabid fiends we're like okay well I, we don't feel so bad about murdering these folk now it was great <laughs> it I, was I was convinced great. that they were werewolves well, I was oh, yeah. convinced. Yeah, he, he was completely convinced that they were all werewolves and they had to go. You know, like it was great. I, I was worried that that he wouldn't murder them all because the the guy that gave us the mission, he was not messing around. He was the type of guy that if you don't do exactly what I say, I'll murder you and your family. And I, I was I was thinking I was going to wake up with with no heart or a slit throat or something. 
I was but, I was planning on setting off the nuke and and uh, and making sure that the rift went away, but I was also planning on making sure that you know at least the innocents could get away. <laughs> but after what happened there, there were no innocents. Well, no. perceptually, there were no innocents. There exactly. were probably a lot of innocents there. So yeah, we, we completed the mission. Uh, <laughs> it was we you know we, we we got exactly what what we wanted out of it. No complications, thanks to uh, a litany of blunders. But those blunders saved the day because yeah. there would have been horrible complications if, if, if not for that, just atrocity of a, of a scouting mission. Yeah, when, when your scouts do as much damage as a full frontal assault, something went wrong. <laughs> well, maybe so, not, next time not let the crazy scout. <laughs> probably that, yep. So how about you? But besides Friday, and you weren't sick, so there you go. Uh, Typical. I don't want to go into work stuff. So uh, typical nonsense at work. Um, Things are let's say things are coming to a head as far as I'm concerned. I I am openly looking for a new job. So we'll see what happens with that. Why is Uh, that? I I don't want to get deeply into it here. I work for some decent people, but they're they're we're all caught between a rock and a hard place. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. They want me to do things that I'm 100% not interested in doing because they've got to gainfully employ me somehow, right? Yep. So, uh, and the people who are not doing what I should be doing, but they want to hold on to it and take credit for me not doing what they, um, is the whole crux of the problem. It's not who I work for directly that's the problem. It's all the ancillary nonsense around it. So I go to work, hate my job every day. And uh, yeah, and I hate saying that because how many years did I say I love my job? You know? Well, while, while you were in. Yeah, the entire time I was in Germany. <laughs> the entire time you were in Germany. And yeah, that, that was about it. Every other time. Oh, you yeah. Were a mixed bag. Yeah, well, it was, pretty... was, was not awesome. Neither were the Marines. Well, the Marines Neither were them. hilariously not awesome, though. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's funny in retrospect, but living through it. Yeah. This had just sucked. I mean, yeah, I I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I'm not being utilized to my strengths and they have no recourse because there's just nothing else unless I'm going to sit back there and just do this all day, which they can't, I mean, be honest, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on your money. Well, most of your money, if you're an American you know, I'm paid by the taxpayer, so I've got to do something, but it's, it's, Work I'm 100% not interested in. So. But, yeah, there we go. So other than that, uh, not much uh, else going on here. Did a lot of yard work yesterday. I thought I was just going to do a little yard work. I did a lot of yard work. And by the time I was on your stream, I hadn't showered. I was falling asleep. I, was <laughs> I, I honestly do not remember when Heathen Dog ended the stream last night. I know we were on a mission. We were on a three-part mission. I think I remember we, us finishing that. We did, and that that's when I ended it after a three-part mission because it was eleven o'clock at that point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow I woke up this morning. There you go. But I feel better now. It's great. Well, that's great. So, uh, come back to car sales. I was never in car sales. I was in uh, personal finance sales, and I don't have time for people who ask dumb questions like, what does a 30-year-old know about investing? I don't know. What does a 55-year-old with two mortgages, a boat he doesn't use, and uh, no retirement at all know about investing? So fuck off. And <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. you probably should have got out of that field. Yeah. Yeah, I did. No, no. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been uh, told 
that I'm a really good trainer. I'm a really horrible salesman. Yeah. I, I completely see that. I have, I have absolutely no, no qualms with that assessment. To, to be a salesman, me. you have to be able to not only eat bullshit, but spit it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's, we'll call it the small talk. It's the, I have to care about your feelings type stuff. Like I have to get in your head, the psychology of it. You know, the, the one place that psychology is actually kind of real is understanding the, the, I don't care. I'm just, I, I just want to give you information, answer some questions. And if you're too stupid to not want to uh, uh, invest or get out of your horrible insurance that you were in or whatever, that's, that's on you. Your life can suck. Just don't, don't start sucking off my teeth. Yeah, that apparently that doesn't work when you're trying to <laughs> sell mortgages and and uh, IRAs and you know so forth. Yeah, same for your hey, IRA. It worked on me though. Well, it worked on people willing to listen. Yeah, the people who just wanted to, go, well, you know, you don't know anything about it. Do you? <laughs> I got licenses. I've got a background here. Like, if I have any questions, I just go ask somebody smarter than me. What do you know? Well, I, I read Motley Fool once. Okay. Oh, well, good for you. That's great. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, uh, not not good. But I, as far as training goes, so the flip side of that, I can train anybody. Apparently, anything somehow. Always give me kudos for training. So, so I'll stick with training and not try to sell anybody anything. How about that? Fair enough. Um, but other than that, yeah, Friday was a blast. Absolutely. Uh, the, the one thing I wanted to take out of Friday was uh, there are a couple couple comments made to me on the behind, like, you just sat there. Yeah. And I even put it into the chat. Like, this was intentional. I mean, it wasn't intentional before the game started, but it was intentional. The decision I made to send Nerdy Ogre and uh, Randy, Randy out to, uh, to do the ability. thing was was 100 intentional because i wanted to give them time to shine because when heathen dog and i start talking you know i haven't really shown it in this these two live streams but we're both kind of alpha males in this regard so we can take over i've seen it happen you know and, and if garthon's there the three of us oh <laughs> like god we're, it'll, we're, it'll, we're competing for, uh, for time right exactly right <laughs> it's crazy but uh yeah no the, the the reason i modeled my character the way i did is to make sure i do not step on max i decided you know what i'm i'm, I'm gonna be number two that's that's gonna be it so i i made my character completely loyal whatever whatever the captain says goes that doesn't matter what it is if, if if he said put this in your butt i'd say how far you know whatever don't care so i i eliminated in character problems like that yeah so, uh, somebody said it looks like you're still trying to find your way i am i mean well okay no i said that way too argumentatively uh no, I'm having fun. I just I want everybody to know I absolutely having fun. And the fact that uh, Randy and Nerdy Ogre got to have what hour, hour and a half, whatever, however long it was, it was fun to watch. It was absolutely fun to watch. I wasn't having a problem at all. I thought it was great. And you know, my character is doing what my character would do during those times. I don't have to be some sort of crazy strong role player and take over everything. When I got him making <laughs> the bad decisions. Or, or no, no, not making the bad decisions, uh, carrying out my bad decisions. Yeah, that's my <laughs> and, job. And then you got the crazy being crazy, and well, the wilderness scout, you know, he's hopefully scouting. Try, trying to navigate his way between all of us. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really what it is that I'm trying to do. Yeah. So yeah. So it's all good. I'm I'm having fun and I and I like the character. I like the character because it is somewhat challenging. I don't get to play the snarky me. 
because that's already handled by two other characters. And I don't get to play the everybody has to focus on me. Listen to me constantly because I have my Sergeant Major over here doing Sergeant Major stuff. So that's what that's what senior NCOs are for. Yep. So it's 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 all good. I, I like it. I, I, I don't like the decision we made on Friday. Um, but, you know, the thought process was, well, we're screwed now. <laughs> damned if we do, damned if we don't. We may as well do it so we don't have a, you know, a, a mark on our head, right? Yep. So anyway, fun times. So there we go. But well, we look forward to doing it again, uh, probably in a couple months. You know, we'll, we'll have this like a once a quarter thing for a year. Yay. I'll forget what my character did, but hey, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, see what happens. It. What's that? You can always rewatch the video. Yeah, well, remember, there there are three of them, if I remember correctly. There's the first one that we did. Then there's the addendum that included that when Connell turned into a bug. Right. But what I don't know, that was, was that streamed? That wasn't streamed. Was that recorded? Or was that just us? Could have been just us. I mean, it, it, is it in StreamYards? Well, it's not here, no. I, I have to check. If I, anything, I, I downloaded it and gave it to RPG is dumb. That's fine. It could be on his channel. Then. Yeah, uh, I have to find out about that. Or that might just been us. But that was that was the best ending ever. <laughs> You're ready to kill him, and I'm like, go free bug, go be, go free. <laughs> anyway, uh, consequences? No, se uh, session three would definitely have consequences if we didn't raise the town, because that that guy, a colonel would have come back and he would have said, okay, well now you're doing this insane thing, or I'm gonna ruin you. I'm scared of one consequence, and I brought it up during the session, which was uh, any sort of coalition drone watching what was going on. We are now a propaganda piece. He could back us, as in the strength of the coalition. Don't you know, we stopped EVs. Or he could throw us to the wolves. Look at what these evil mercenaries did. Just this innocent little settlement out there. That's them setting off a nuclear explosion. <laughs> Like, no, oh. no, no, that, that, that's not going to happen because they were a bunch of DBs that the, the CS has already put that line out there to, to try and get control of the area. So they'll actually be, be shooting themselves in the foot trying to shoot us. I'm just saying for future, like they could hold that over our heads. I don't have to yeah, use it well, now. Have you had the chance to read the new coalition? Yes, I have. It's an excellent book. I really glad you guys had, had, uh, um, told me about it. I got it in the, in the Christmas grab bag excellent book i really wish i could use it with my current character that would be awesome but he's literally too stupid to use it <laughs> except for two things one is like a is like a grunt which he already is and two is a firefighter package there's only only two things he could use because he's too stupid he has an iq of seven <laughs> I, I i literally can't do anything else so i can't use it with this character but my god man it, it is a really good book I really like it. So moving this part of the conversation on forward a little bit, guess who's here next week? Um, Grim. We already had Grim. You missed him. Um, my cousin Randall. Yes. Oh, thought so. No, uh, Kevin Simbita and Sean oh, Owen Robertson are going to be on here to talk more Palladium books. They're giving us three times charm, right? We had Kevin on first, Sean on second. Now they're both going to be on, and we're probably just going to sit back and listen to them two talk. <laughs> no, they're going to have to explain to me in detail about the Summoner, 
about the shifter and what what fever dream made them come up with these OCCs. Okay. I, I want to hear more about the Diabolist because uh, I know you think that's an NPC only, but yeah, I, it, I, yeah, I, it, I like the idea. I, I, the Diabolist is like, is like a gray area. Like it's, it's not going to destroy the party, but you're not going to get usefulness out of them to, to the extent that almost any other OCC will give you. He's very, yeah. very specific. Kevin's already said he's more than willing to answer those questions. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they uh, come up with that. Are you are you going to grill Sean on tomorrow, Legion? Have you decided? I, I, you know what? I decided not to grill him, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to like, ask him ask him some 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 questions. Okay. Like, uh, do you do you plan on continuing with the with the Savage World Rifts idea? And if you do, please stop. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. What's sad is I more modern players prefer the Savage Worlds version to the real version. My, some, my thing some, is this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Some people are uh, pedophiles too. I don't agree with them either. My my issue is this. It is not the same game. It, it is no. Rifts like, or if you want to call it Rifts like, that's fine. But that's like saying Earth Dawn is Dungeons and Dragons. It's not. It's it's fantasy. It's got magic in it. It's got dragons in it, but it's not Dungeons and Dragons. It plays differently. It feels differently. It's it's just not the same thing. And there's nothing you can do with the Savage World rules, which are not bad rules. They're not bad. It's not a bad game system. No. But there's nothing you can do in that game to truly mimic what Rifts played in fantasy, Heroes Unlimited, whatever you want to do to mimic it properly. So is it Rifts Rifts like? Sure. Can you use risk terms in it? I mean, I can do that in my own homebrew game. Sure. Actually, in 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 some places, the terms don't even work because the the uh, system, the Savage World system, can't can't properly express what the what the term means. It, it can't do it right. I, I saw that with the juicer, with the with the Savage World Rifts juicer, it was a mess, an absolute mess. A, I I I would I would say pale comparison, but it's an apples and oranges thing. I mean, you're, you're trying to get the same effect using different rules and you fail. So it was just bad. Didn't work at all. Violent solves everything says modern players only like savage rifts over actual risks for two reasons. One, it's better organized and requires less intelligence to understand. I'm waiting for number two. <laughs> Unless that was one and two because there was an and in there. But we'll see. There was an and. Uh, but uh uh, and two, modern players have been bombarded by all the people who constantly rag on Palladium. Yeah, I can see that. Word, word see, of mouth I, is not, not great for Palladium in the last 10 years or so. Yeah, that's one of the things I'd love to talk to Kevin about, but I don't think he would be comfortable. And I, I, I don't want to uh, turn this into, well, people hate Palladium. Why? You know, but I, as somebody who's writing his own-ish games, <laughs> maybe it'll be done before I die. I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things that I think about where it's like, huh. People give, you know, there are people out there. I hate the Palladium system. Why? It's too whatever. And then when you compare it to another game that's, to me, worse, well, that game's not bad. But that's okay. that's even, that's like objectively more crunchy. And that's yeah. what you said you didn't like about Palladium. Yeah, well, grumble, grumble, grumble. Right, like, right. All right, dude. So, I mean, I'd love to talk to Kevin, but but again, I, I, I don't want to start diving to the negative. And Kevin doesn't seem like the type of person that, you know, 
that wants to dwell on the negative. He wants to make his stuff, his games, and keep going forward. So, I mean, I'm going to respect that. However, with that said, on our Discord, I've received one. That is right. One. All whole one. Question, comment, concern from you folks out there. Uh, with regard to uh, Kevin and Sean coming on, if you have anything you want us to talk about, because I don't have a lot of things. We talked about most of them when Kevin was here the first time and when Sean was here the second time. There are a couple of additions, a couple of addendums that I've got, but ultimately I don't have a ton of things. So if you have anything that you want brought up, want us to ask or to approach as a subject to talk about with Kevin and Sean, please post it on our Discord. We have a couple of different, you know, uh, what do you call them? Suggestion areas. I mean, we have a Palladium Books area that I look at. So, you know, check that out. And, uh, oh, put your questions and if, in there. if your question, if you write it down and you look at it and it seems rude or offensive, uh, use the arrow key to go to the beginning of the sentence, put in a parenthetical and it's like for heathen dog to fix, close <laughs> the parenthetical. I will church it up and I will get your answer. Maybe without offending anyone. I can't promise that though, but I, I can promise you won't get in trouble. Super chat. Hunk out of the variants says, just do it. Or just to do it. I can't read it. I can't read four words, dude. Just to do it. Just to do it. Well, appreciate that, Hungar. Thank you for the $2, sir. And I hope you're feeling better. And uh, Crafty says... That is true. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and there is absolute truth to this, but what I don't want is dead air. You know, I, If right. Kevin and Sean want to just talk the entire time, I will sit back and just listen to him talk. I have no problem with that. But we are supposed to be gracious hosts and come in with something that, you know, when that dead air hits or if there's something you guys want to know, because we don't we had this third time planned for a while ago. Right. So, you know, during the year of Palladium Books, obviously, you know, fortunately, uh, a sad passing happened and, you know, you had to have a delay. But we have no plans. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but we have no plans for Kevin and Sean to come on in the future. So this is, we'll, we'll consider this kind of like the last Could call for it. alcohol. Yeah. yeah, this is the last time that we get a chance. So bring up the stuff. So, and what channel? Uh, you can do it in the RPG Digest suggestions or in the Palladium books. Th those are the two best places. So. And if you mark it with, you know, something at the beginning, like question for Kevin or question for Sean or question for Palladium, something like that, that'll help it stand out more when I grab them. But uh, yeah, so there we go. And I'm not complaining. If you guys really don't have any questions, that's fine. I, I just want to, my concern is I hate if the interview is over. I call it an interview. If the conversation is over and you guys are like, oh, you should have said this or, hey, I, I wanted somebody to ask this. Like, well, well then why don't you say something, dumbass? Yeah. Right. Because so. that's what we're going to do. We're going to call you a dumbass because you had weeks and weeks and weeks to just take five seconds and write this question down. And you know what? If we didn't ask it, then it is on us because you wrote it down. You put it in there. We decided that it was a dumb question or we didn't want to ask it or we just plain forgot. Then it's on us. Anything else? It's on you. Well, I'm rewriting them down so I won't forget. It'll just be a matter of time. So, I mean, if we're four hours, Kevin isn't going to give us four hours, but you know, if no. we're four hours in, you know, I might have to say that's just not unfortunately an important question right now for us to ask. And I, I want to respect all you guys out there. So please, please ask your questions, comments, concerns, and put them out there. And again, Sean and Kevin are not afraid of anything negative. The, the main thing is don't be a dick. 
you know, your Kickstarter for Robotech fucked up. Well, there's a history behind that, that either you don't understand or you don't want to understand. So I'm not going to talk about that nonsense. Um, but why were you so litigious in the 90s? That was 30 years ago. Let it go. Um, what's what's the other? Oh, the OGL one. That, that actually was brought up. It's like Palladium's already put out its statement about the OGL. There isn't going to be one. He has his reasons why. You can like it, dislike it, whatever. But uh, if you want to submit stuff for Palladium, do it through the Rifter. And you know, there's there's nothing else to talk about with that. And weird guy, you're right. Uh, Palladium books instruction on how to calculate combat bonuses. Uh, too many players use your hand-to-hand strike bonus. Yes, that is true. Now, part of that is is because combat, the wording and explanation of it seems to change a little bit from every single book. There, there are some books like, what was it, After the Bomb had the best combat section? Yeah, I was missing like one minor thing or something. Yeah, but yeah, a, yeah. But, uh, but uh, from every book, it had the best combat section and the 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 best actual you know step by step process. You don't miss anything. It was great. Other books not as good. In not fact, as good. So formatting is the problem. Formatting. Do you have a copy of After the Bomb? Uh, I might have the old one, not not the new one. Okay. Um, it was either Kevin or Sean. I think it was Sean. But one of them asked me to talk about that or, or let him know. I, I don't think it was for the, the conversation, but we could do that. But like, what was it that you specifically liked about it? I was asked directly. I think it was Kevin asked, what was it you guys specifically well, it was, it liked was in the about video. it? If I remember, it was a while ago, obviously it was like six months ago. But if, if I remember correctly, it was uh, the, the way it was formatted where, where it would, uh, it would, it would explain what combat was. It would it would give you the terms. Then then it then it would go through an example combat. Then it, then it would explain all of the different combat actions. And then you know it it, would, it was in a way that when you read it, you're like, okay, this is exactly the information I need in the exact order to understand this entire process. You'll have to look at it again. But uh, and but I'll, all I'll the other books, that. it seemed a haphazard. I'm writing that it wasn't down in now. the right order. It wasn't in the air. You know all stuff and and uh, it, oh oh. In the after the bomb book, it was the first book that that didn't make you jump back to skills to a- actually see all of the hand to hand combat bonuses for all the different hand to hand combat skills. They had it reprinted in the combat section as well. You didn't have to jump around. I'm gonna go back and watch that video, and then I'm gonna yeah. read read that section uh, again because I don't remember exactly what it was. I just remember that when we read through it, we were like, "That is." This is the best combat right of all the Palladium games. Now, some things like what Skullman's saying here, and then we'll move on here and just like, how about a book on how to navigate a Palladium? Yeah, book? again, like I said, formatting is the issue with Palladium, yeah. the biggest issue. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, old school gamers don't, we have a harder time seeing it because we are used to High Gygaxian. And if you think that the AD&D first edition book is put together well, uh, you're sorely mistaken. It yeah. is put together horribly. It's all, the only reason you think it's put together well is because you memorized where everything was. <laughs> You're used to it, right? That's basically it. Uh, but that's just part of old school play. I mean, not not uh, most of those old games weren't put together well. No. So that that's fine. But Palladium is kind of stuck to its guns. You know, there are there is some rumbling out there with regard to uh, a possible universal or third edition or something. I don't know what the right term is for it. Uh, there's how do I want to say this? From what I read, it's not it's not off the table, but it's not something that they're prioritizing. Hmm. That that's the way I would I would express it. 
uh, I would love to see, even if it is a, an actual third edition, because I have to change too many things. My thing is this, make a core book with all the stuff in it, all the skills, all the combat, all the whatever, all the others, right? And then Rifts becomes a setting, and that setting changes it. Kind of like what Dark Sun did with Dungeons & Dragons. Kind of like what Dragonlance did with Dungeons & Dragons, especially first edition. Core book is this. However, we no longer have Paladins. We have Knights of Salamnia. And, oh, you get skills at different times. You have to follow a moon. You, have to, you see what I'm saying? Like, you can go in there and say, well, yeah, computer skill for most whatever will start at 60 plus 5. Or just have it in there without a percentage and have the setting itself tell you these are the skills with the percentages. But you have one core book so that if I open it up and I'm playing after the bomb, it'll read the same as Heathen Dog when he opens up his Rifts book. Just the percentages will be different. So it all works the same. You know, and of, of course, there, uh, in, in your setting book, like say Rift setting or Palladium Fantasy setting or uh, Ninjas and Super Spy setting, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever uh, you'll you'll have uh, that setting specific skills like in Palladium Fantasy, you're not going to have computer operations, right? It's not going to happen. Right. So you you'll have specific setting skills. But in your core in, in your core standardized rule book, you will have general skills that fit in that that 99. Uh, there's no, no such thing as 100 percent. Right. But not as much as 99 percent into all other books. Settings. And if you want the specific setting skills you have to get the settings book and it'll show you the specific setting skills and there you go so yeah you'd always need two books to play a palladium game well no no because with the main book you could make your own homebrew but uh but you'd always need core book and then riff setting or core book and palladium fantasy setting well that that actually that actually hurts me a little bit because one of the reasons i like palladium so much is all you need is the main book for whatever setting you want and then you can play I, yeah, no, theoretically, like you, you could do that. You could homebrew the world. Like what uh, Crafty said here, this is what Conan does. Core book for the core rules. Then you pick up the Conan, the Barbarian, Pirates, Wander, etc., which tweak the core rules for a, spe a specific flavor of game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with this. I like to have my, because let's be fair, Dungeons and Dragons, first and second edition, that's a game you can play, but it has no, how do I say it? It has no setting to it. It's just generic rules. You can absolutely play from those generic rules. It has no flavor. Yeah, but it takes something like Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, your personal homebrew, whatever it happens to be, to add that flavor. So that, that's, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make. Maybe I'm not articulating it well, but... Uh, so, but in that term, you still need the player's handbook, DMG Monster Manual, and then whatever that other happens to be if that's your own homebrew then your notes if it's dragonlance the dragonlance adventures book so i don't know i I personally don't have a problem with needing two books but i do get what you're saying yeah yeah i mean i i, I like it because you only need the one book you know like if you want to run chaos earth if you want to riffs you want to run you know ninja super spies you only need one book and it, it reprints all the rules for you but the thing is they've been doing that for how many decades and <laughs> and and my 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 what's that 40 years yeah yeah so uh you know and my my problem with palladium books is formatting if that solves the formatting problem i'll 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 eat the price of a second book i'll eat it if it solves that problem after four decades i'll be like i'll buy it I'll buy what it i don't want is the rules to change right yes i just want them to be codified and you know carved in stone in many aspects clear concise 
consistent, and accurate. That is yes. the rules of technical writing. Clear, concise, consistent, accurate. If you can do that, it's a win, 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 win. And I mean, we already promote Palladium, right? But yeah. I, we'd be screaming it from mountaintops. Oh, God. No, I, I, <laughs> I'd be buying dozens of copies and throwing them into crowds. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, actually, I mean, some truth to that. I, I would, too. So, yeah, don't change the rules. Just make them understandable. And, and see, that's part of the thing. And, and oh, my God, if Kevin watches, he might get angry. But uh, that's the difference between a narrative style writer, which I can't stand unless I'm reading yeah. a novel. Yeah, me too. And a technical writer, which should never write a novel. No. <laughs> like, as a technical writer, I'm writing stereo instructions. But that's boring. Rules are supposed to be boring. Yes. Put the flavor text in a paragraph for In fact, Kevin, till we flip this around, Kevin masterfully put flavor text in the Riffs Ultimate book. Now, I know a lot of people don't like some of the stuff in there. I get it. I loved his interjections. I loved the beginning of the juicer section, where he explained what it meant to be a juicer and you're going to die in five to 10 years. I loved the what he said about the crazies. I loved that narrative interjection. Just don't have that in the rules section. Yes. The rules, the job of the rules is to be completely clear, unambiguous, in your face, <laughs> straight man nonsense. But you, if you want flavor, you have to work around that fact. Don't try and change it. Work around it. All right. So anyway, because we're, we're a half hour in um, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So with, with that said, just want to reiterate one more time. Please post your questions, comments, concerns uh by themselves everything's posting is you know a few things here on rumble i please if you've got those questions if you got those concerns go ahead and put them in uh in Our the discord. discord as far as a question for kevin question for sean question for Plato, however you want to say it just there we go it's our one-stop shop for questions yep i don't do discord sorry and i don't know what to tell you man uh ask someone else to put in there for you there you go there it is I want to thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily and ask questions for Kevin and Sean. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, which I have not decided if there's going to be a giveaway next week or not. You know that means there probably is, but I don't know if there's going to be one or not. We can also produce more content and generally give back to the Legion of Myth community as a whole. Of course, we appreciate everyone who subscribes to Legion of Myth. We have over 4,000 YouTube subscribers as we stream this, and we're thankful for each and every one of you, really are. And refer to the description below for the links to the various Legion Myth sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. All right, for segment one today, we've got three big topics to cover, and we're already a half hour into over a half hour into the stream. So uh, this is going to be fun. Let's see how well we can cover these. We're going to start with skills and talents right now, then we're going to go into the game mechanics, and then we're going to end with momentum, doom, and is it Chronicle Points? I think they're called. So th that is going to be our the entirety of the of the segment one today. But we're going to start now with skills and talents. Before we do that, we have to tell you that we believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds, and that the focus of the game should be on role playing and having a good time, as was done on the Friday Chill Stream. You can look it up. It's uh, episode two of Legion Myth Let's Play. We had a great time. Check it out. You don't want to miss it. And you will see hashtag RPGate in play there. Why? Because we were just playing a game and we were all having fun. Because the core values of hashtag RPGate, any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Dun, dun, dun. Or in that game, forced non-diversity? <laughs> 
anyway, uh, the charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below or the link on the screen there to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. And finally, join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth if he's not dying to watch Ethan Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. And here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Are we going to be saying that after November? Because isn't the entire country going away from Daylight Savings Time? I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. Well, 1 p.m. Central. <laughs> or the Friday Night Chill Stream, where a panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. And this, believe when I do not show this slide, people complain. So here it is. You can read it. We're, 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 not, we're not giving you the step-by-steps. That's a whole different type of video. We are talking about what we read in the book about this game. Subscribe for Max's ability to read, because sometimes he fails. That doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. Let me slide that over there, put this over here. And of course, I lose things in the mix. Where's my stream? There it is. Get off the screen. I don't need you on the screen anymore. Where'd you go? Oh, you got it. Never mind. I got it. All right. Present. Share screen. I was thinking we might have time to get into, um, what do you call those things? Comments today, but I'm guessing that might not happen. Got a lot of things to talk about. All right, here we are with Robert E. Howard's Conan Adventures in an Age Undreamed of. And we are going to start by talking about skills and talents. Now, for the folks who watched the um, Mutant Chronicles stuff, you may be like, oh my God, covering this again. We get that a lot. That's why I say this a lot. It's a new game, and somebody may not know that we have Mutant Chronicles, but they're looking for Conan instructions. So we are going to talk about skills and talents in Conan. So how do they work? I mean, one of the things we learned last week is that you already start with higher, um, what's it? Or it seems you start with higher expertise, or maybe not expertise, but focus. I mean, you start oh, yeah. with, like, well, higher. you know, focus and, and expertise. Uh, during character creation, I get plus ones everywhere for both. <laughs> Crafty. I think we, I don't think those pieces exist. I think they're vaporized. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, so each skill description is presented in the following format. Common uses, difficulty, momentum spends. This momentum, we're going to talk more about momentum later in a different video, but uh, it's how to spend momentum to improve the skill's chance of success and how those momentum spends affect the way it behaves. So, again, if you saw the uh, Mutant Chronicles one, this probably looks pretty familiar to you. you st everybody starts with that same first talent, and then from there, you have the prerequisites and whichever tree you want to pick. And... In this sample layout, talent one must be taken before two, three, four. You have to have that first one. Talent three, this one right here, must be taken. Oh, sorry. Uh, where is it? Talent three must be taken before talent five. Talent four before talent six. You see how that works? You have to go down the tree. You can't skip one. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a flowchart. If you can't well, follow you, a flowchart. Well, no, 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 no. The see the this 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 flowchart that with one, two, three, four, five, six. You don't need to get one through six but you have to follow the tree. You can go one to three to five, but you can't go one to two to five or one to two to six. F follow, follow the flow chart. Can you put that comment, uh, Derek Papa's comment on the screen? Because I want to address sure. that now. 
Okay, so yes, I did say that, and I, I'm, I'm going to backtrack on that a little bit. I actually talked to Heathen Dog about this before the stream started. My problem was is that for today, I'm skipping a lot of pages. I have a note card here with all the various pages I have to skip to during the segments. So like in this one, I'm going to have two sections that we're covering. And I found that frustrating for the purposes of a video. Ultimately, and I'll let you guys decide this in the end, it kind of does make sense to have, a, we'll call it a player section and a game master section. And some of the information isn't divvied to the players. See, in Mutant Chronicles, pretty much everything was divvied to the players. So players knew all the inner workings. This one removes some of those inner workings and just gives it to the DM. Your mileage may vary. It's kind of like what first edition AD&D does. Yeah. So like the player's handbook doesn't have combat rules. That's weird. <laughs> but you know, it's all it's all in how you how you want to do it. My problem was when I said that was written by a child or, or my my thing was like, my God, I got a page here and I got a page there. It's frustrating. It's very Palladium esque. But really, that was more for the purpose of the rules than for playing the game. So. All right. Uh, that, that's, that's why I want to get that out of the way right away. Cause I thought he made a very good point. And I did say that I kind of backtrack on that a little bit, but here we go. Let's, um, so name of talent prerequisite or skill. So you, some of them are going to actually, most of them are going to have prerequisites and then maximum ranks, maximum ranks allowable in the talent treat X as rank one. If no entry is present. All right. So let's pick a couple. Do you have your character from last week? I didn't think so. So no. let's, uh, <laughs> I didn't write it down. That's fine. But I, I, I did have uh, acrobatic, stealth, uh, melee, ranged. Okay. Um, yeah, those were skills. I didn't. I don't remember what you took talents in though. I, I did. Well, that's. But let's if, say if acrobatics I was one of them. I'll find out. Well, let's say acrobatics was one of them. Yeah, I think it was. So, we'll read that one. This skill is a measure of body control, covering whole body movements such as jumping, tumbling, and diving. Attempts to dodge enemy range attacks also fall under acrobatics. Acrobatics cover any use of reflexes, agility, and coordinated movement to overcome obstacles or avoid attacks. Okay, that sounds like an acrobatic skill, right? Sounds like something you want. Common uses. Evading range attacks and traps. Performing. So this is kind of like uh, your dodge and your saving throw versus, <laughs> versus getting your foot caught in a bear trap or right. grenades. Performing acrobatic tricks. And landing safely after fall, you roll with punch impact. Why am sure. I see everything's palladium? Everything's now, right? palladium now. You gotta change your glasses. <laughs> uh, difficulty armor. So, whatever the armor rating is, difficulty armor doesn't tell me anything. No, well, it, it could have explained it earlier. Oh, 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 no, I do get this. I do get it. okay. So, difficulty it's elevated by armor, difficult terrain, disruption, or distraction. Encumbrance or poor weather. Okay, so it's not saying that armor, whatever your okay, armor rating okay, is. Okay. These are the things right, that can I, affect I get it. it. So it, it'll go from say you know D one to D two if you if your if your armor uh, has encumbrance or if you're mm -hmm. under difficult terrain, you'll need an extra success. And that makes sense. Poor weather. If you're trying to do cartwheels and you know and dodges in you know on slippery grass, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. So. I, don't, I can't tell you how, how many times I've I've seen TikTok girls just face plant. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey send me some of those videos all right anyway <laughs> so momentum spends momentum is used to determine the overall look and style of the maneuver okay so it's a sword master from earth done see i picked a different game there you go uh specific momentum spends vary based on the circumstances of the test 
An acrobatics test made to dodge an attack can benefit from many of the combat-specific momentum spends. Page 268. But that's so high up there. Yep, we'll be going to page 268 in a little bit, because that's in this segment. While a test to reduce a falling damage allows momentum to be spent to reduce the damage suffered, even allowing your character to land upright. Wow, okay. Superhero landing. Yep, got to do that whole knee, fist to the ground knee thing, right? Exactly. You can do it with enough momentum. All right, so let's look at these talents. We have Agile, Message Runner, Nimble as a Cat. Okay, I have to know what Message Runner is. That sounds lame. It does sound Stop. weird, doesn't it? It's, it sounds like, it sounds like post office uh, talent. Uh, Nimble as a Cat, Savage Instincts, Lightning Reflexes, oh, and pan- oh, Pantherish Twist. Pantherish Twist. Well, that's a word I just learned. So, yeah, that, that, they didn't have to make that up. It, it could, you could have just gone cat. Because that's what cats do when when you try and drop them upside down, they twist their entire yep. body to land. You didn't have feline to, twist. You didn't have, to, you didn't have to make up a word for that. That's just weird. Maybe it's uh, for the setting. I don't know. Uh, so prerequisite: acrobatics expertise one. So basically, in order to have agile, you just have to have one little tiny point into acrobatics. We already know the heathen dogs character has a lot more than that. Yep. So you may re-roll 1d20 when attempting an acrobatics test, but you must accept the new result. Very that, sim- that, is, that is common for the first, yeah. for, for the first uh, talent in the tree is, is going to be a re-roll. Yep. Yeah. Now let's look at, uh, let's look at that pantherish twist. Must have nimble as a cat first, but nothing else. It doesn't say you have to have any other prerequisites. Like well, that's because to, to get nimble as a cat, you need agile. Well, yeah. Well, you need agile, nimble as a cat, and panther swift. But you also need minimum ranks two for nimble as a cat. Oh, okay. You, there's no minimum rank. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, well, obviously it's minimum rank two, right? Because <laughs> you can well, have the yeah, one. Before. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you may use your acrobatic skill in place of parry when attempting a defend reaction. Okay. Is- okay. So, in in the beginning, acrobatics was defending against ranged attacks. Now it looks like you're so good. You can now just flat out super dodge uh, melee attacks. That's nice. Are you, are, you re- are you ready for this? Ready? I'm ready. This is Earth Dawn's Avoid Blow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> See, I can do other games. Yep. Reducing the amount. Uh, let's say you doom. need Zacherback Seal to parry. Attempting a, yep. uh, Reducing to- the amount of doom generated by yep. one to a minimum yep. of zero. There you go. Okay. So um crafty says we're reading ranks wrong i don't think we are you can take a talent up to a maximum of two so but to 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 get the to get the pantherism you need to max out the the talent or what you're reading ranks wrong crafty please please help us out if we're reading it wrong then let us know Okay, so actually, no, we were reading it wrong because I'm seeing ranks is the same as Mutant Chronicles, which really just means your skill level. But this does read differently here, where X is the maximum of ranks allowable in the talent. Okay, so maximum, so you can take this, take that twice. Okay, oh, so maximum. Okay, okay, no, it, it's not a prerequisite. It's the maximum yeah. rank. Once you get it, yep. you can get it, but you don't need that rank. You just that's the need maximum agile. rank you can achieve. So I, I read that as minimum, not not maximum. That was okay. re- that was where I went wrong. Okay, and he explained it wrong, so I was on the bandwagon too. That yep. sucked. All right, that's fine. Hey, we're reading it. We're learning. There you go. Milton Chronicles is a better game than this one. Just saying. 
Every time I read something here, it makes less sense than what the Munich Chronicle stuff did. And here you go. We have here all the skills. We'll read one more. I think we'll read healing. Because I want to know how healing works in this game. You want you want to pick one? Um, I can scroll back up if you want me to. No, it's good. Oh, warfare! Didn't you warfare. have that one? Warfare, yeah, warfare. See, yep. healing, healing and warfare. And warfare. I think those are yep. good ones to look at. Those All are right. good ones. Uh, I have to. There's a lot of pages of this stuff, so there is a lot of pages. What's this observation. Oh, for past healing. <laughs> oh, way past. <laughs> uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Up oh, there, you go. It's uh, healing. There we go. Healing is based on intelligence. Not surprised. I don't want to read despair, so I'm zooming in. <laughs> this skill provides the ability to give care to someone who has suffered injury or sickness, as well as, as well as all the knowledge that accompanies such skill. Common uses: see damage and recovery, page one eighteen. All right. Okay, healing. helps you heal. That's yep. it's called healing, so I get it. Yep. Healing may also be used to identify and treat sicknesses and poisons. Again, kind of seems par for the course, and determine the nature of injuries. I like, okay, I, I need to, to break off for something. I was talking with somebody about the healing skill in the game that I'm writing. And I'm torn between having a just generic, we'll call it doctor. Yep. Or, no, 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 you need to have some specialties. Like, you know, doc, not all doctors can do surgery. Not all doctors know how to, you know, uh, understand all viruses and so, yada, yada. And I don't, I don't know where that line is. Part of me says I kind of like the palladium system with first aid, paramedic, uh, doctor you know for more surgical type stuff you know and having these different levels the other part of me because because there's a realism and it could mean that you and i could be really intelligent have healing but on different sides i could be a pathologist you could be a uh what's what's a uh oh my god i uh, uh homeopathic whatever the hell it was called uh i wouldn't though because that's gross but and, but, okay. but you get you get what i'm saying like yeah I get they're different so part of me i like the possible variety but ultimately i always come back to this in a game you know you know, you know what when when a skill like this makes sense, when you have healing and you can do it all, that makes sense the more back in time your game setting goes. Sure. The more primitive your game setting, doctors did do it all because they had to. They didn't have time to specialize because they were literally doing it all, all the time. And they're dying of everything anyway. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the the more you go forward in time, up to and past current current era technology, you have more time to specialize. You 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 have you have more time to gain specific area knowledge rather than having to gather all the general you know knowledge because every day is a different thing. So this is this is Conan. This is back in the day. I understand having a general healer doing it all. I get it. It makes sense. Hey, barbers used to do this, man. I mean, it did it didn't do it well, but they did it. They did it all. So I get it. And uh, violence solves everything agrees with you. He almost said what you said word for word. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, difficulty. So lighting, you could have bad lighting. Oh, I didn't see that you had a wound there. <laughs> Destruction <laughs> or distraction. That I can understand. That's like your field medic, right? Equipment. Well, yeah, but the whole lighting thing, when you're doing surgery, you're doing a bad light. I get that too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Equipment, uh, medicine bag, poultice, bandages. Obviously, those are going to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Random random motion. That's oh, yeah. Trying to cut into somebody when the cart is bouncing. <laughs> Stop moving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time. Yeah. I mean, then that could work both for and against. Obviously, uh, you know, you take too much time and somebody bleeds out. Vice versa. You sometimes need time to do a good diagnosis. And unfamiliarity or complexity. 
But it seems like they can do everything, so I'm not sure where that would fall in, but hey. Maybe magic. Well, no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's complexity of the injury. You know, if, if you had your you have your finger cut off, stopping the bleeding is pretty easy. But if, if you have a sucking chest wound, stopping that bleeding and stopping the person dying is going to be a little more difficult. There's, there's a lot more moving parts in there. Literally, a lot more moving parts in there. And momentum spins. See, damage recovery, a skill that involves a lot of... Wow, again, can't read. Involves lots of knowledge. The obtain information momentum spend is particularly common choice when attempting to identify ailments or study advanced healing lore. Okay, I can get that. It's kind of like... A, he's an Earthdawn again. That's kind of like your wizard ability in Earthdawn to see the patterns. You don't know it or research. Right. That It's a magical ability. In this yeah, one, it, well, it's a momentum, but yeah. Right. It, it looks like that uh, you can spend momentum to heal more or diagnose better. Yep. And wow, it's funny how that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Healing talents, bind wounds. <laughs> this will sense. hurt. That You know what? That one makes the most sense for being number one. That is literally day one, learning to heal people. Stop the bleeding. Yeah. I get it. That's great. I love it. And day two is this will hurt. <laughs> yeah, day day two is this is gonna hurt. Uh, but bite on this belt. I got I gotta cut off, I gotta cut off it's gone gang green. Now, the one thing I don't understand, number mm -hmm. one, I'm sorry, the 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 two of these I don't understand is avoid danger. Okay. Like what now? And uh the very last one on the right. I I don't even know what that word is. Surgeon? I, I what's that? That's the old school way of uh, spelling surgeon. Really? Yep. That that Garthon, is... Garthon likes to use this word a lot in fantasy games. Okay, that is unnecessary. Tell that to Garthon. <laughs> I'm telling to everybody. It's unnecessary. Okay. It's the old school way. It's the thee and thou way of surgeon. All right. Well, it's still unnecessary, man. Hey, come Wait, on. No, that's not here. Uh, a little, a little to ease the pain. Hold on. Wait. That, that seems to change the name of. Uh, a little to ease the pain. No, it didn't. Okay, where's bind wounds? I don't see bind wounds. Yeah, where the hell? Or are these in alphabetical? Oh, they're in alphabetical, alphabetical order. order. Ah, yeah, okay. They must be. Healing expertise one. That makes sense. And guess what? Guess what you get to do? Reroll. See, it. this one doesn't... All the other ones, you know, they they, they have a generic, you know, first, first level, right? This one has a specific sounding first level that has nothing to do with what it specifically sounds like. Okay, here's your avoid danger. Yeah, what you the hell is wounds, that? of course. You recognize various environmental risks and know how to mitigate them. You may substitute your healing skill for survival for the purposes nope. of avoiding nope. hazards. No. Nope. Here's how I see it. And Crafty can correct all. me if I'm wrong. Nope, there's just one, one area where I see this as okay. The equivalent of NBC. What? Nuclear biological chemical. Oh, God, come on, man. If with sorcery and nasty stuff going on, I, you know, the bad airs, so to speak. Oh, the, the miasma. Yeah, yes. No, exactly. Yeah. That's the one place that I can see this being where it makes sense. Outside of that, I agree with you. But I think yeah, that's it, how it's supposed to be used. But that, how often would you need it then? Exactly. You know, you, you don't need a specific kind of talent for this. It, you can just roll this into general having healing. You know, you could roll it into having the healing skill or the healing talent. And, uh, and, have this as an ability you don't need this specifically 
This is unnecessary. This is an unnecessary complexity. I don't like it. Okay. I I I I don't have feelings either way on this one, but I'm wondering, I'm definitely wondering about its usefulness. And then uh surgeon is uh you have encountered a variety of sicknesses, plagues, injuries, and have learned many effective ways of treating these maladies. You can attempt an average difficulty one healing test. Scroll up. To identify the best course of treatments for any patient you encounter. On a success, you're able to prescribe a suitable remedy. Isn't that what the base skill does? Well, yes, but um, th this is, you are so experienced, you don't need to diagnose everyone anymore. You see it, you're like, oh, I've run into that before. And it's just an average D1 test to treat, give them the right medication and move them, move them along. So it's triage. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, triage comes with experience. You have okay, to know enough. what these wounds look like. And now you're experienced enough to where you don't have to study every single wound, ev every single symptom. You, you get the top three symptoms. You're like, okay, it's this. 99% chance it's this. Boom, give them this medicine. Get them out of here. Well, so you, you don't have to spend all that time with a single patient. I like Would this. You may spend momentum to have the necessary treatments on hand. Oh, so God, you, you, you can spend momentum to make a bag of medical holding? Yeah. Okay. Though the cost in both money and time is subject to the game master's discretion. So if you need something really rare or really expensive, you might have to have that on your inventory sheet. But if you're just looking for a bandage or a lozenge, here, yeah, that's the right one. Take that, <laughs> then maybe you got it. Uh, you're a figure of authority and can substitute healer for command tests. That's good. Cool. Uh, mm, well, hold on. Mm. If you command another character to assist you or to act in your stead, that character can re-roll a single d20 of their own healing test. Ugh, just said it. Uh, of their healing own healing test. test. Okay, I'm really glad that they that they got Specified. specific at the end. Because in the beginning, it sounded like, what the hell? That is way too general. Well, and then you, they brought um, it back in the end. You and I know that a game master would limit, a good game master would limit it anyway. But we oh, also yeah. know that some weirdo player would be like, oh, it says command. No it just says command. Yeah, shut up. Uh, given suitable downtime, you can completely heal the injuries of uh, completely heal the injuries of others. Sure. Okay. And I, I just want to know what this will hurt is. Uh, you know, that setting bones, tending injuries will cause plenty of pain. There's little good that comes from being gentle when trying to save a life. Uh-oh. Better that they suffer pain now and live to tell of it. When you attempt to treat a patient's injuries, you may choose to reduce the difficulty of the test by up to three steps. Now, that's pretty but... cool. However, if you do this, you inflict mental damage depending on the number of steps reduced. <laughs> Get that doctor away from me! He's a quack! <laughs> One step... Wow, inflicts... you know what? No, this, I like this. I like this. I do this, too. This, 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 is, this is really Conan gritty, you know... Uh, world war one you know Every civil war-esque you know yep. like bite on this bullet yeah <laughs> this, this is gonna hurt yep I, one I, step I get it. inflicts three combat dice to four combat dice three steps five combat dice of mental damage hey you know what i you're, you're bleeding out i i can't I, I can't take all this time i just gotta i just gotta burn it so this is what's happening suck it up buttercup I get this. This this one I like. Okay. Uh let's go let's go down to your warfare. Are you starring any chat, by the way? Oh no. I don't know if there's I tried to star one. Um 
Oh, what's nope. sorcery? Sorcery will not be today. No. Oh, oh, I apparently passed it because I thought I saw a header. Well, you're zoomed in too yep. much. You can't see enough. There we go. Yeah, but I'm going to the end. I'm pretty sure it's at the end because it's the last one. Artillery. There we go. Warfare. There, warfare. You want to read it or you want me to? I got it. Okay. I figured this you skill would. governs the ability to use the tools and weapons intended for waging war around a fortification, whether inside or... Oh, it's very specific. Okay. Siege weapons are far too large to be carried by a human being. Thank you for that. Even the smallest are colossal heavy constructions. You're able to employ these powerful weapons as well as having an understanding of the principles and strategies of battle, both as attacker and defender. Okay, okay. This is this is uh, uh, defending against or or commencing with siege warfare. Why, did, why didn't they just call it siege warfare? I don't know. Why did you ambiguate it up? and just call it warfare that was stupid i'm having real problems with this game so far i i, be, I believe you mutant chronicles is better crafty i'm sorry this 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 game is is lacking common uses uh see chapter except five, for the shoulder pads two. right yeah except for the shoulder pads. <laughs> also identification of siege weaponry detecting weaknesses in fortifications and understanding the tactics of large battles difficulty uh non-combat uses are affected by distance understandable mm-hmm uh, or unfamiliarity or complexity, obscure or unusual weapons, fortifications, or strategy. Okay, you see something brand new, some, something from another land, or something someone just invented. It's going to increase difficulty. I get it. Momentum spend. Uh, Non-combat uses gain more accurate or detailed information with momentum spend. Okay, I get that. In order to have this ability, you must know the difference between a catapult and a trebuchet. No, no, no. <laughs> if you have this ability, then you know the difference between a catapult. <laughs> it, no, I want the player to know before the character can even. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So we have strategist. Sure. I, what do you think that's going to be? It's going to be reroll 20. For what? Oh. Probably gaining information. No. You know what? I'm not going to guess. Okay. Then we have artillerist, ballistics. Seems backward. Uh, and devastating bombardment. Now there's a cool name. I have to give you that one. That is good. That is good. I, it, you know what? The it's the third talent down. So theoretically, it should be the coolest one, right? It should be with the coolest name. All right. Then we have strategist, general, and conqueror. Again, I feel like that should be the other way around because usually the people who are conquering are the colonels and below. The general is the one just you know telling them where to go. Taking and credit. then spotter. That sounds that lame. One no no that that one i like i mean it's very unassuming but super important i imagine yeah. that is going to increase the accuracy of your of your siege weapons i imagine just when you're when compared to these five it sounds lame it sounds lame yeah but you know every once in a while the lame thing is actually the coolest so artillerist okay so you need warfare expertise one. Oh, wait a yeah. minute you don't need strategy. Oh, there's strategy. I just blanked yeah. on it. Okay. Just, so wow, good job. warfare, that makes sense. Warfare expertise one. You've learned how to best operate siege weaponry. When making an attack with a siege weapon, you may re-roll a number of damage dice equal to the number of warfare talents. So if you only have strategists and artillerists, that would be two warfare talents. Hang on. So, there's a parenthetical. Yep. Oh, and and in them. Whoa. That that's and not or. Whoa. That's and. And for, from what Crafty said, you, uh, sometimes you can have up to two ranks per. Well, this one doesn't say. So if it doesn't say, that it, uh, it's one. 
That's what the then rule why said. Would it, why would it add that parenthetical? Yep, that's a good point. Unless, well, well, because maybe some of these other ones, because right at this point, we just said strategy and tillerous. One of these other ones probably allows more. One of them could allow ranks, yeah. yeah. So that'd be why. Okay. The result that of is, these rerolls must be accepted. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, and we're not going to look at, that's last. Devastating bombardment is okay. last. Ballistic. Maximum rank three. There you go. Okay, perfect example. So yep. you have experience firing large, inaccurate weapons over long distances. And I've learned the techniques that make these weapons truly effective for each rank of ballistics. So this is your scorpion. Uh, for each rank of ballistics, you can reduce the difficulty of a warfare test to attack with a siege weapon. Oh, any siege weapon. All right. By one step to a minimum average of D1. Dude, you could turn a long-range hard attack D3 into... Ah! Let's roll. Ah. I, I can I, I can hit the the fly off a dog's nose at five miles with this uh, with this trebuchet. It's great. <laughs> and each rank also increases the damage by plus one. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Jesus, man. I mean, uh, I understand. As player characters, you people may never get this skill because it is very, very specific. It is useful only in one situation and one situation only. But if you, are, if you are engaging in or defending against a siege attack at a fortification. But if you are, I want this guy. I want this guy on my side. Conquer. You have to have general first and warfare expertise too. With this talent, you have learned how to bring your retinue uh, generated with the general talent below. To bear with explosive force, any warrior in your retinue adds a bonus of D20 to all melee, parry, ranged weapon, and warfare. Okay, you have to look at general. You have to look at general. Yeah, talents. Uh, where is e, your, uh, EFG. Oh, my God. There's your spotter. Screw spotter. General. There it is. Maximum rank three. Wow. You've become particularly adept at coordinating the actions of soldiers. When leading an army or a unit of warriors in battle, you can substitute warfare for command. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we continue, okay. I, have a, I have a problem with this. This, this, this whole warfare thing is, is set up for siege combat. So far, this particular section seems just general large, large combat. Well, Siege Warfare is more than just the Siege Engines itself. So far, it has been exactly that, though. So, is well, no, this no, the I know. I, I get you. I, I, I get you. Well, so that me the metal, uh, not metal, the middle tree seems to be more about the the people in it. The, I don't know what Spotter is, but uh, the bombardment, obviously, that's going to be for the Siege Engines themselves. This is going to be more about the people because you have to have the people to perform the Siege. Yeah. Okay. I think it could have said it a little better in the initial description. Yeah, because the initial description, it was it would they just said siege warfare. If you were at a fortification, it, it, it gave a lot of caveats and addendums to win to win this is good. So you may not be able to use this unless you are also participating in a siege combat. A according to the first description. Well, that, that part I'd, I might agree with. Um, well, let's see how this reads going, going down. Okay. So when leading an army or a unit of warriors in battle, you can substitute warfare for command counsel or persuade my assumption on this is that you've you're, you're this is like a senior nco i know it says general but it seems more like a senior nco uh, ability where it's like you've 
You've been in the thick of it. The people trust you. You don't have to have the stature of command. People just know that you've been through hell and back. And if you say to do something, it's probably the right thing to do. Right. That's that's how I'm seeing it anyway. In addition, you can create a retinue, warband, squad, etc. of dedicated and highly loyal warriors of a size equal to the number of your warfare focus times your rank in the talent. So you can take this the rank. talent. This tank. specific talent. Yes. So okay. you can take maximum of three. So let's just say you have three. And I think your warfare was pretty high. It was like four or five, wasn't it? When you took it? I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Let's say it was four. So that's still okay. 12. Yeah. It's 12, 12, you know, super soldiers, basically. Yep. For example, oh, never mind. It gives you an example right here. For example, if you have general two and warfare focus two, you can have up to four warriors in your retinue. These warriors in your retinue must be chosen prior to combat, must be dedicated followers who have trained with you, and must be within earshot to gain any benefits. Okay. This benefit does not apply to other player characters. Oh, I can't make a retinue out of them, <laughs> even if they're under your control. These are considered to be elites, whereas normal soldiers or warriors are minions. Okay. So then we go back up here. That's general. Devastating bombardment. To, well, right we got we got to finish up conquer. No, no, devastating bombardment. I don't care about conquer. I want devastating. Well, well this is the one that that added to it. All right, all right, fine. So to bear uh, with explosive, any warrior in your retinue adds a bonus D twenty to all melee, parry, ranged weapon, and warfare tests. So that means your minions basically have momentum. That's how I'm calling it, or a chronicle point, however you want to look at it. They no longer need to be within earshot be, because your orders are in their soul. <laughs> it does not apply to other player characters. Oh, that's fine. All right, here you go. I'll let you have this one. All right. Ballistics Warfare Expertise 2 is required to get this. You have learned how to get the greatest effect from siege weaponry using shots to shatter morale as well as masonry. After making a successful attack with a siege weapon, you may spend two points of momentum to unleash a devastating bombardment. A devastating bombardment forces all creatures within close range of the attack's target to attempt an average D1 discipline test or suffer mental damage equal to the attack's damage roll. Wow. Additionally, any momentum spent to add damage to the devastating bombardment adds two points of damage rather than one. Okay, 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 hang on. So... You can place your shot in such a way that not only does it damage your intended target, but it will demoralize the enemy to the point where you can break them, break their heads. I think it sounds cooler than what the than die what it is. Yeah, because uh, if if uh, if uh, mental damage is anything like Mutant Chronicles, it'll take a lot. You'd have well, to get a lot of momentum. Also, it's a D1 test. Now, here's where I think it would work well. Yeah. A, a, a true siege. Like, I'm not trying to affect heathen dog. I'm trying to affect the 200 people that are hiding behind that wall. If I can get 10 mm -hmm. of them to break, then that starts to, to, to deteriorate the defenses. Right. It it isn't something that I think is is beneficial on anything small scale. This has to be done in a siege for it to be worth it. Right. And that's what it's for. Yeah. So with that in mind, I do like it. I'm just scared of seeing and Crafty might disagree because maybe he runs his games differently, but just based on my experience of playing a bunch of different games with folks, I could see a lot of this hand waved. Hmm. But yeah. theoretically. But 
if you're the character who has taken time and resources to get this skill tree or this talent tree, uh, as a player, I wouldn't let it be hand waved. Yeah, I hear you. I, I hear you. And then spotter, okay, what does this do? You're familiar with discovering enemy positions, communicating back to your leader when assisting and setting up or sneaking or seeking out an ambush, or when saying? assisting an artillery crew as a spotter, you may add your warfare dice pool rather than only a single d20. Warfare dice pool. Okay. Warfare dice pool. What? I don't know what that is. Oh, you know what? Now that I think because I was thinking expertise, but yeah, what is the warfare dice pool? Crafty, what is warfare dice pool? Well, go, go up to go up to the warfare, the original explanation for the whole thing. See if they talk about dice pools. Uh, maybe we'll get that later. Okay. Even the smallest or colossal uh, governs the ability. Blah blah blah. Uh, difficulty, complexity, yeah. accurate, detailed information. We'll wait for crafty. Yeah, that's just flavor text, and then it gets into the things. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what warfare dice pool is. Yeah, because at first I was just reading that as like, okay, if you got an expertise of five, that's five dice. But no, no, it specifically says dice pool. You're right. It's not about expertise. Oh, the one time we want Crafty to chime in, he's taking for freaking ever. Well, he's at work. <laughs> I, I don't care. Work. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, warfare. I'm not a huge fan. I I I don't like talents and skills in games that are highly niched. And this is this is it. Unless I mean, you, they're all highly niched. Yeah, unless they're all, but they're they're not, obviously. But, Healer yeah. is extremely broad, mm -hmm. right? Where whereas this one is not just only in combat, it's only in a specific form of combat, and that's it. That 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 is not worth taking. The the ROI on that sucks. I would never ever take that talent as a character unless the campaign specifically called for it. Well, as you and I aren't uh, big Conan players, it's very possible that the premise it happens of, a lot. Yeah. Maybe it happens a lot. Okay. So, all right. Well, maybe we'll have to wait till the next video for, for us to figure out what that dice pool thing is. Or maybe you can put it into chat and explain us. What is that dice pool? Maybe we'll cover it in the next section. You're like, yeah. didn't you read it? Nope. Derek is guessing here. He says perhaps a set of dice just for combat rolls. Again, we didn't see it, uh, but we haven't gone over combat. Maybe they have a specific section in combat for siege combat. Well, they do. There is a chapter on siege combat. And in fact, maybe, if you want maybe, to, maybe quickly, it explains we can look dice pools there. Um, oh, I was saying the next video, but actually I have another part of this video uh, that uh, this segment I have to do. Where is it here? Dice pool is from 2D20 up to 5D20. Okay, see, I don't understand that. What what is a warfare dice pool? I don't want. To, I don't understand how that's different from a regular thing. We've we've got time. He said he's helping a customer. We've got time because okay. I've got another section to do here. But um, there was something. Oh, what was I going to look at here? I forget. Who cares then? So let me go to the other page. Two sixty five. That probably isn't two sixty five, but it was cool art. Yeah. There you go. That's not a minion. Of yours, that's, anyway. That's my lizard. See, this is when men were men and armor only covered your loins. Yep. The way it should be. 
Yeah. The, the oh. only thing you needed protected was, was the thing you needed that, that night with your woman. That's it. <laughs> it's all you need. You just need to have that at the end of the day. All right. So game mastering here has some uh, topics on, uh, and I want to go specifically 265. So be here on skill tests. So we were supposed to talk about skills and most of that was talents. And so we're in the game mastering section now, and I'm not going to read Howard's work, yada, yada. During the course of Conan game session, okay, during the course of a Conan game session, this isn't always, oh my God, no, I'm not doing that. Not relating it back to, 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 to calling for tests. Almost everything a player character can do in game can be resolved by a skill test. This is the single most prevalent mechanic in the entire game, and every other mechanic in Conan hinges on a skill test of some sort. However, not every action needs a skill test to determine the outcome. In some cases, the test slows things down, gets in the way of useful progress, or simply generates a chance of failure at a task that should have succeeded. Or, yeah. or it's a really cheap way for characters to gain momentum for yeah. basically free. Well, that's technically a difficulty zero test, and well, Crafty likes him, I don't. I get why he does so as part of the game. So, uh, ideally, the game master should only call for a skill test under the following circumstances. When the results are interesting, regardless of success or failure. Interesting. When the risk of failure is meaningful. Uh, I don't know. That, that first one doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't like those. To the again, Mutant Chronicles said it better. <laughs> uh -oh. Weird guy, uh, and an age undreamed of, where men wore girdles, WWE <laughs> trophy belts, but women wore only their jewelry. Yes. Thank, th thank you for for the five dollars of wonderful misogyny. I love it. Yes, love and it. This is the way all games should be. I'm a fan. There's little point in calling for skill tests to resolve mundane tasks, just as there's little point in thoroughly describing them. The Game Master should not ask the players to roll to see if the characters sleep well. Hmm. Or are able to find their way across town. They know well. Sure. When something's on the line, when the outcome could plunge a character to his death, or cause... Oh my god, to sent to the greatest zenith. Or when the same is on the line for a non-player character, that is when to make a skill test. Yeah, um, when when the successor failure is meaning, uh, how did I write it? Uh, something when the successor failure is meaningful and the consequences are, or maybe, maybe that's where the meaningful list came. I can't remember. But yeah, there there are two two facets, and that's only when, when you roll. Oh, when the outcome is uncertain and the and the the result of the outcome is meaningful. Just say yes. It's easy to get in the habit of asking for a skill test. It seems like a good idea a lot of the time. And it recognizes the effort that the players put into the characters by using the skills they've picked. Spending points on skills and picking specific talents is a form of investment. Deciding, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Conan has no patience with boring. There you go. That should be, that should be like the quote of the first sentence of every game. Name of game has no patience with boring. As a result, in a lot of situations, it's actually more useful for the for this guy. My God, I cannot talk. Oh my God! Simply say yes. Together. No, I'm drunk. No, I'm not. I feel like I'm drunk. <laughs> or I'm reading like I'm drunk. To a player's request or to a player's request or idea, and move on if it needs no further discussion. I agree with that completely. Yes, just I want to do this. Okay, do it. 
unless it's meaningful to the game or no don't move on yeah usually i go with the whole you can always try (laughs) the difficulty role might be pretty high and when you fail the results might be fun catastrophic or catastrophic but you can always try all right um Okay, there's the moment. I saw momentum. The game master should only ask for tests if the task is actually difficult or if the character is currently under pressure, struggling with some other negative influence. I call it duress, but yes. Sure. Exactly. Same thing. Of course, if the player really wants to attempt a test when none is required, the game master has the option of declaring that it is a simple difficulty zero test. You ready for this next part? And just allowing the player character to see how much momentum. How many complications, if any, the character generates? I don't. Uh, Crafty's going to disagree with you, and I know why he's going to disagree he with you. But I know he is. But I the the idea of of, of players, you know, a- asking for cheap rolls just to build up momentum pisses me off. Yeah. Momentum should not be a gimme. Momentum should be a reward for a task done extremely well when you may not have done it extremely well a d0 test is bullshit i would never let a player roll it ever it's a gimme that's philosophically it. i 100 agree with you my issue is if it's integral to the game it's 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 a necessary evil so i'd rather just play a different game <laughs> no well yeah fair <laughs> enough but no i mean uh it, it actually no my my way is completely fair because in in all of these 2d20 systems it's the game master that calls for the roles no one mm-hmm. else i decide when a role happens and if i don't want a d0 test to happen it's not gonna but i don't have momentum well get better scrub there you go this, uh, this next paragraph I was going to skip, but then I saw something in there which I think would be great to trigger some grognards. Bear in mind, too, that a test to obtain information, alchemy, languages, lore, sorcery, etc., is also something to say yes to more often than not. Really. The character's knowledge is not the player's knowledge, and it benefits the game overall to assume that player characters know things about the world of Conan that the players do not. That's fair. I, I love it. Yeah, I love that. Because a lot of grognards just say, it's, it's more about what the player decides, what the player wants to do. The player. Nope. No, nope. it's about the, what the character does, not the player. And you play as a player, you have a responsibility to play the character. Right. I mean, Heathen Dog and I don't go beating each other up with swords to see who the best sword fighter is. We roll dice and we have the character. If his character is better at sword fighting than me, my character is probably going to lose. Where in real life, maybe I'm the better sword fighter. I don't know. That'd be weird. Uh, unless they're delving into deep secrets of Arsheron or seeking other rare and precious information, there's a little point in making a player character roll to find the local blacksmith. Oh, yeah, okay. Or to identify languages by hearing them. Okay, identify languages, not be able to speak to it. I, I, yeah, I can do that. I can listen to a whole ton of languages and know what they are. Oh, Hang listen. on, hang on one second. Crafty, I'm going to agree with you, but... I'm I'm going to I'm going to specify what I meant. If a player has talents that reduce a D1 or a D2 down to a D0 should still be allowed to roll. I agree. 100% agree. Your skill and expertise allow you to do this with with such grace and flourish that momentum is generated. I get it. I would not allow a character to to roll a test that starts at D0. 
That is stupid. Yeah. yeah. If his skill and his expertise bring it down to a D zero, good for you. You built your character for this moment. Roll all that extra momentum. Awesome. But I've never, ever allow a character to roll anything that starts at D zero. Never, never happen. Agreed. I agree with that. Okay. Um, so decide oh, how not. A, you got a problem. What, what's that? Oh, yeah. I, I don't care. Okay. I'll delete it and ban the person later. Uh, decide how non player characters respond and interact. Once everything else is in place, Game Master needs to make choices for the non player characters present in the scene. You know, I don't need to read all the Game Master section. I just want to point out the skill, yeah. skill stuff. Yeah, no, um, I get it. I get it. These rules failing forward and says X at cost. Da, da, da. I think that was it. Yeah, because momentum is the next thing I want to talk about. Let's see. Okay. This is bold. Ooh, it's bold. Let's finish up with the bold text. Any situation that could only be resolved successfully through a single specific die roll is poor is a poorly designed situation and should be avoided. I agree. Mm. I absolutely agree with this. Never kill. Well, unless well, no, because that wasn't one roll. Okay, you know what? I can think of caveats right now where I disagree. But for the most part, you know, that, that hanging from the parapet kind of thing. You know, sometimes game masters give characters too many dice rolls. Okay, I want you to make a dodge check. Okay, now, or a dex check. Okay, I want you to make a saving throw. Okay, now I want to see if you, your hands grip. Okay, you know, at some point there, the, the person fell. Okay, but one die roll that just happened to go poorly for the person shouldn't be instant death. You're right. You're right. The only... Combat the... is a little different, but... Well, no, I'm not even talking about combat, but in, in every life or death situation, there's always that last die roll, right? You know, there, there always is. So, so this, this sentence is bullshit. Well, it's there's also written. It, 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 it does not uh, convey the idea they want to, because every single time you're, you die, the die roll before is the one die roll that decided it. I'm sorry. 99% of the time. That's what happens. There's also the the part where I talk about uh, when I do adventures, I don't ever have, if I write my own, I don't ever have it hinge upon one thing. Oh, you didn't look in the underwear drawer and find the secret key. Now you guys are stuck and you can't get through. It's like, no. That's I, a bad example because it's a decision, but yeah, I, I get it. Well, a perception check in some games, you know. Uh, you didn't look in the underwear drawer, ha, ha, ha. Uh, but, I mean, I've seen things like that happen. No, there's there's the the check there's the uh okay now, now we'll ban the person yeah uh there's the check there's the combat and then there's the secret path you know something like that where it's like there's always i try to put in three different ways that it can happen so that one die roll doesn't stop the adventure one die roll may change its direction but it doesn't stop it and i think that's what they're trying to say here i could be wrong i i just this so so far the, this whole book is is much more poorly written than than the last one. I'm I'm upset. I really am. I'm I'm upset by this book. Oh, that's weird. Can't. All right, we're pausing the stream for just a moment so I can figure out how to use Twitch again. Any situation that can only be of resolved only be resolved successfully through a single specific die roll is a poorly designed situation and should be avoided. No, sometimes it it comes up to either you make the shot or not, and that that's life. I'm sorry. 
that is a perfectly valid way to to live or die. So bullshit. I call bullshit on that. Oh, that's even easier than I thought. Better click on the name. All right. Cool. Bye. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, having an absolute is a problem in there, but generally speaking, I, like you said, I think it's kind of misworded. They wanted yeah, to say it's written. This, this whole book is written poorer than the one before. In my opinion. Which, I don't know which game came out first. Uh, well, the, 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 the last one we did, that's when I talk about the one before. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, actually I just skimmed through this and yeah, it's kind of what they're saying. Social act, you know, one failed social interaction shouldn't stop a quest. You know, one, no, no, one, I, I, I get that. But like I said, the, so many situations have to come down to you, you take the shot, you make it or you don't, you succeed or you fail. So this, this, this sentence is just poorly worded to the point where it doesn't make sense. I understand what they're trying to say, but that's not what they're saying. What they're trying to say is there, there should always be an option that uh, if, if your character doesn't have this skill, doesn't have this ability, there should be another way that success yeah. can be achieved. It mm -hmm. shouldn't come down to a single die roll of a skill. It shouldn't come down to this one talent. It shouldn't come down to, to this one attack roll. I get it. But the way you worded it, no, sometimes it does have to come down to a single die roll. And that's completely fair. Are we in part two now? We're about to be. I wanted you to finish that, though, because uh, and then let's look at chat. All right. I got a couple start here. Okay. Bring one up. Uh, Reactionary Public uh, Principal Gaming. Uh, that's the closer to the correct way to spell surgeon. Oh, that's the, the surgeon mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. It's just dumb. Because it's not English. <laughs> exactly. Anything not English is dumb. Write that down. <laughs> Crafty says, it's not different. Warfare dice pool is how many dice you are throwing for a warfare test. I don't get it. I don't get it. And uh, I'm not going to get it today. Wait, 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 I, wait. I may be just missing it. Just whew. But so the why? Why so am I missing it so hard? The standard roll is two d twenty, right? Yeah, and then and then you you can you can buy more 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 d twenties with that. But why specifically state worth for a dice pool? Move it in this, move it that. No, it, it's it's it seems overcomplicating itself. I don't I don't understand. If I'm understanding it now, it's uh, if you normally roll two d uh, two dice for a normal skill check, that bonus that's applied is the 2D instead of just the base 1D for it being a schmuck minion. I don't know. I don't know. So far, I'm not digging this game. Okay. Is that it? That's it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Heathen Dog's not digging it, but how are you digging it? I don't know. Let us know in the comments below. Uh, so far, I don't really have any major problems with it. I I don't necessarily like all the writing in the book, but uh, I do think that Mutant Chronicles is better so far. With that said, I don't I don't have any major issues. It is possible that the reason we like Mutant Chronicles better is because we hit it first. That's a, that's a possibility, I, and I'm willing to accept that if that turns out to be the case. 
You yeah, know, that's, we that's hit fair. That, yeah, yeah. We hit that book first. We understand it. This one goes at it differently. And so because because we're, we're coming from a, pr- a place of prior knowledge, it seems alien. If we had no knowledge, maybe we'd acclimate to this one just as well as we, as we did to Mutant, to Mutant Chronicles. Maybe. That's entirely possible. But guess what? I don't care. I mean, I don't dislike the game or anything yet. I mean, because I know it's 2D20 and I know it's the same basic as we'll get into in this chapter you see on here, it's the same basic rule system. I, I just, you know, it's kind of like the Palladium thing. I love the game. Just kind of fix some of the books, right? Yeah. So, anywho, um, yeah, let's let's end this one and get ready for the next one. So I already said subscribe, but I'll put it up there again. And what are your thoughts? If you have thoughts about the way we're covering this, if you have thoughts about uh, either Heathen Dog's opinion or my ignorance on something, whatever, let us know in the comments. Or if you like the fact that we're doing these read-throughs, because that's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is not to tell you how to play the game. It's to learn the game, basically, with you, and you make a decision whether you want to buy it or not. Yeah, and, and if you learn from us being wrong, awesome. Yep. Love it. Yeah, we're certainly not saying don't buy it. <laughs> Well, good luck, but you better buy it quickly. It's going away soon. All right, for the second part of segment one, we are going to cover the game mechanics. Now, theoretically, this is the shortest one of the three parts that I have today in page count. I'm wondering if it's going to be the shortest part and how we cover it, though. Let's see how in-depth these mechanics go. However, if I can get that off the screen... Because I can't, of course. Before we do that, let's do our normal introductions here. Where is our... Can't find anything. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. A Conan good time. Smacking things with swords and watching half-naked women. Does it get better than that? I don't think so. The core values of hashtag RPG at any good tabletop crew are strong, muscular men and half-naked women. Or escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. However, the more half-naked women, probably the better your game is. Yeah. My guess. The charity we support the charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Or just click that little happy smiley guy. Not the guy, the guy with all the little squares and Dots and stuff are surrounding them. Do that one. It's a QR code. Eh, whatever. And of course, join us on Thursday, Saturday evenings, twitch.tv slash Legion Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Both one or the other. Here on the YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Or, occasionally, we have a Let's Play like we did last week, and you can watch that. It was fun. That's tutorial, yada, yada, and subscribe. That's how I'm doing it. It's all going to be yada, yadas from there now on. Yada, yadas. Okay, now, now this part of the book, I expect that it's going to be very, very similar to, uh, to Mutant Chronicles. I expect it to be. If it's not, something went wrong. Let me ask you about that because, and I'm giving a spoiler alert here. When we cover the Year Zero engine games, mm-hmm. you're going to find that every game is generally the same, but every game is also a little different. I get it. I get it. 
And for I example, to be close, I, I expect it to be, you know, not exactly the same, but e- easily adaptable in, in my brain okay. from one to the other. I expect that. If it's not, I hate it. All right. And is that right? Probably not. Is, is it the it, way it is? Yeah. Right for you, right? I mean, if you're yeah. going to have enjoyment with the game. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Okay. So the participants in the game of Conan take on certain roles. Okay, we got that. Where are the rules? The game master is not an adversary to the players. Fair. Discuss. <laughs> There's no discussion. <laughs> the, 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 the game master is, is the arbiter of the world and how it reacts to you and, and uh, all, all of the plans and, and uh, tribes and tribulations of the people therein. It's not about you. He's not about you specifically. He's about the entire world that you're in. He's not supposed to be against you. He's supposed to just represent what happens. Maybe it happens because of you. Maybe it happens to you. But he didn't do it. The world did it. That's how it works. Just keep well, that one, mindset. One addendum to that. The one, one addendum to that, and that's the game master's job is not to be an adversary to you, but is the game master's job to put challenges before you. Yes. He's not your adversary or advocate. He's supposed to be neutral. Yep. Speaking of neutral, here's Crafty. What is best Go in life? Go ahead. To crush your players, see your dice thrown before you, hear the lamentations of their cries. Yeah. That no. was Randy on Friday. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Randy handled those bad dice rolls so well. I know. It was great. Um, okay. Speaking of die rolls, let's, what are the dice yeah. we got here? Two types of dice used to resolve actions. Any character, player or non player, may attempt and the situations may face. A 20 sided die. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to repeat this part because we know how this works, but I've got to do it for folks who never watch the other videos. The first and most commonly used dice. To, oh, that's right. It's a British game. They use dice in the singular also. Uh, use dice. To, <laughs> I can't say it. It's a 20 sided die. Oh, but there. Oh, anyway. I know. I know. Calm down. Keep push through. Known throughout this document as a D20. These D20s are used for resolving skill tests. Here, let's look right here. See these big fat round ones? Those are your D20s. Now you can and show I don't you... like these dice. It's way too busy. Anything beyond yeah. two feet, you can't tell what it is. Agreed. I do not have the specialty dice for Conan. I only have them for Mutant Chronicles. Uh, all right. More often than not, multiple D20s are required. Noted as XD20, where X is the number of dice to be rolled. You know, I a lot of people say, I don't need these kind of basics, but if you're trying to get a new person into the game, I like this in, in the game. I want this written into the book. Where X is the number of dice to be rolled. Most common roll is 2D20. So guess how many you're rolling? Two. 20-sided dice. Specially made Conan dice boast the Phoenix icon on the one. That's this little guy right here. Uh, indicating, wait, what? Did I miss something? On nope, on the one space. On the one space. Yeah. All right, indicating a result. Blessed by Mitra, the patron god of many of the Hyborian Age kingdoms. Another type of D twenty is used in Conan. The optional hit location die. I'm a fan of that. I know a lot of people aren't. I'm a fan of hit location die if the game is built around it. Yeah. The the the, the problem of adding that complication to a to a combat is it can really slow down everything you really, really have to have to build around that or else it doesn't work. I mean, I'm used to reading charts for combat locations, so I think that just seeing another die there, if you roll your attack roll and the die at the, 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 the hit die at the same time, but I get it. I do get it. 
patriotic gestalt says uh for the one half knee kid woman at what oh woman <laughs> out wait. there oh okay all right knee kid oh oh for the i get okay there for the yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it took me a second too yeah it, you got it, it. you it know took what? Me a minute. thank you for the ten dollars and for the brain teaser don't there do that it is. yep <laughs> took, took me it took me a couple of beats but i got it yep <laughs> Like I'm, you know, just like is that hacker speak? Is that what's going? Is that some sort of internet slang? Did he mistype it? Did a spell checker get to him? I don't know. But uh, no, that was a good one. I like that. Oh, it's see. I wish. Look, I don't block. They just let everybody know. I do not block. I believe in free speech. But YouTube sometimes, yeah, especially on the super chats, apparently blocks a lot of stuff that I can't control. So, so anyway, we've got the uh, uh, the hit location die, right? The combat die or Phoenix is a six-sided die. Roll to determine damage and other special effects. When rolling a combat die, ignore any results of three or four. It's just like the Mutant Chronicles one. You'll have a dot on it. Do they show it down here? Where are the dice? Oh, where are those dice? Oh, nope, that's down here. Apparently I'm on the same page, so there we go. Um, here we go. If you see the number, like four, that's too bad. Sucks to be you. That's nothing. But you see this one dot up here? And these two dots right there, again, heathen dog is right. These are difficult busy. to read. I can't, you can't see that from any appreciable distance. You know what would have been cool if they would have done one ring here for one dot and then have this double ring here for two dots? Then it wouldn't have bothered me so much because you could just count the rings or look at the holes, whatever. But yeah, whatever. I, I, I cannot recommend getting these dice, people. I can't. Uh, but there you go. That's one dot. That's two dots. Three and four ignore uh i think it's three is it three four and five ignore or three and four is, but is six. there a reason to even have those numbers present yeah, yeah yeah it's for damage so if you do damage to somebody and you're rolling the the combat die so for example one is one extra point of damage so let's say you have a weapon that does one plus one combat die just to make it easy you roll your one combat die if you get a one you do one extra damage if okay. you get a two you do two extra damage if you get a three or four nothing Five or six, you do one plus an extra effect. So it's five and six here. Well, Mutant Chronicles is only six. Yeah. Most of the time, more than one combat die is rolled together and the results totaled. Multiple combat dice are noted as X Phoenix icons. <laughs> Where X is the number of combat dice rolled. For example, four Phoenixes or Phoenix I? What's the plural Phoenix? It indicates that four combat dice should be rolled. And here's an example. Let's actually look at the example. Demetrius of Ophir successfully strikes a Zamorian bandit with his broadsword. The weapon has a damage rating of five combat dice. Demetrius's player rolls five d6s and generates a result of one, two, four, six, and three. If you're putting it in a manual, you put them in order. A three should it should have been one, two, three, four, and six. <laughs> and the one and two, okay. The one and two add together for a total of three. Sure. The four and three are ignored. And the six adds one to the total, so that three becomes a four, and indicates an additional effect. Adding this all together, Demetrius' attack inflicts four damage and creates an effect. And okay, we'll see, find out XR later. Here, here's the thing. Um, I get that, and if you don't have specialty die, you need to understand that three and four are nothing, right? You need yeah. to understand that. But if you're using the specialty die, like if you look in the picture, you can see there's a four there on that yeah. dot why why is that there 
It literally should be nothing. Blank, yeah. It literally should be nothing. Having the four there on a specialty die is worthless. Why have it there? The only thing it's I can like, think of is for rolling on a chart. So it's, but the, there's no chart. It doesn't. Well, it's somewhere else in the game. I'm saying maybe you roll a D6 for a chart somewhere. Okay, well, you you replaced the number one and the number two with one dot and two dot. I mean, sure, you can say, oh, it's just like a regular die, one dot, two dot. Yeah, but you've already altered this thing so much. A six isn't even there. It's a phoenix symbol. You've and no, there's, a, there's a six right here. It's there's, a a there's, there's a small six in the corner. Oh, small six in the corner. Okay, also didn't see it because guess what? Anything beyond four inches, you're not seeing that. <laughs> the, oh my God, this game is pissing me off. I know, I know. I'm, I'm getting lost in minutia. Okay. I get it. I get it. You want to be angry at me for that? Please do. But it's the little things that that really turn me on or off to a game. Well, it's also a snowball effect. Once one thing starts to bug you, then two things start to bug you. Yeah. It does snow. I, I get like that. And and here's the thing. I'm just going to be upfront with you. When we cover the, the Free League stuff, I bet you you're going to say something similar about the Free League specialty Probably dice so. as well. And I'm going to argue with you on it because I have experience with it, but I get it. I do get it. I don't have experience with this game, so I'm not arguing with you. It just doesn't bother me like it does you. So, uh, I mean, to be fair, I like specialty dice, so... I don't. I just don't like being able to... You just have to be able to read them. I don't need all these cracks and everything next to it. Yeah, you, you just can't read that. It just makes it, makes it illegible. So, in most circumstances, more than one die, <laughs> dice of any given type are rolled at once. These dice collectively are referred to as a dice pool, or the pool... Rounding numbers, whenever you need to... Okay, I don't care. Rerolling dice, that's not uh, important right now. Okay. A collection of seven attributes define each character. Agility, awareness, brawn, coordination, intelligence, personality, and willpower. And we slightly touched on those last week. Yeah. These attributes indicate a character's inherent abilities and physical and mental limitations. Most attributes for player characters have ranged from 6 to 12. Because remember what happens when you go 13 or higher? Yeah, you get the bloodline thingy. Yep. Uh, and I think 14 is max anyway, if I remember correctly, with eight representing the human average. The higher the attribute, the greater the ability. Why? It's very simple. You roll under. And I bet you we get it here in expertise. Skills represent a character's specialized training within a particular field, knowledge, proficiency, and weapons. Yada, yada. Let's go down here. For example, the lore skill is based on intelligence and stealth is based on agility. Mm -hmm. Everyone has things for which they are immediately suited basic attribute but training and practice can make up for lack of some natural inclination i thought there was gonna be a rule in there i'm sorry for wasting your time with that paragraph here we go skills are represented by two values expertise and focus each of these values is ranked from one to five the characters seldom have above three and many skills expertise rank represents a broad understanding of a skill Focus represents depth of learning and the ability to apply the skill more effectively. In game terms, focus means a higher chance of success. I'm sorry, ex did I say exp expertise? Expertise represents a higher chance of success. Focus represents a higher chance of more successes slash critical successes in other games. So, if you want to succeed more often, increase your expertise. If you want to exceed, uh, succeed better, increase your focus. Does that make sense? Sure. Hopefully it does. In a situation where a character attempts a task and outcome is unknown or uncertain, the character attempts a skill test. All right, we're just going to scroll down. The skill's target number is equal to the attribute for that skill 
plus any ranks and expertise the character has. So if you have an attribute of 12, right? What was it like brawn over here? 12? Sure. Coordinate. Let's do coordination. It's probably something easier we can do. Coordination. We're going to do coordination and agility, right? If you have a coordination of 12 and an agility expertise of 3, 12 plus 3 is 15, roll a 15 or less on that d20. And it's considered a success. Yes. And if you want to roll more d20s, obviously you're starting with 2 because that's the base for a 2d20 game. And, and we're, when we get into momentum and stuff later, you'll know you can add up to 5 d20s rolling at a time. You can get up to five, maybe even ten successes if you also do so well yeah. that that a success counts as two, which which is uh, increasing your what focus? Focus, which is right here. Yeah. The character's rank in focus in that skill creates the possibility to score extra successes. Each D twenty result equal to or less than the character's focus for that skill scores two successes instead of one. So let's use our same numbers. If sure. you have the attribute of 12 and a skill of three, you roll a 15 or less and you succeed. Now let's say you have a focus of two. So expertise of three, focus of two, and agility. If you roll a one or a two, you get an extra success. So taking that further, you, you roll two dice, your regular 2d20. Mm -hmm. Here, you want me to roll, roll 2d20? an 18 and a two. The 18 is not a success because you need a 15 or less because of your expertise. But you got a 15 or less on the second roll, but it was equal to or less than your focus rating, which means it counts as two successes. So I got zero successes in the first D20 and two successes on the second D20. And when I made my Mutant Chronicles character, because I just remember this happening, I had that situation come up. I needed two successes and one of my dice was a failure. Uh oh, but the other one was a success with, you know, inside the focus range. Yep. So that was two successes. All right. So you guys get that. Now, skill tests are assigned a difficulty rating, a value ranging from simple difficulty zero to epic difficulty five. Here's quickly what that means. These are the number of successes you need in order to actually succeed. So if it's difficulty five, you have to get five successes to succeed at that task. Mm -hmm. If it's difficulty zero, you, you succeeded. You don't no no difficulty zero is you don't need any successes to succeed. All successes do there is do our favorite thing of increasing your momentum. Yeah, padding your momentum for bitch players. <laughs> Even when a plant succeeds, not every situation goes smoothly. Characters are likely to face new challenges and unexpected complications. Whenever a result of a twenty is rolled on a d twenty. The game master immediately creates an impediment or problem called a complication. As applied to a situation or specific character that made the original rule. One complication is created for each result of D20 rule. Now, go ahead. Now, in, uh, in, in Mutant Chronicles, they had, they had uh, ways to increase the, the, the complication level. from j j just, just like focus increases your critical, mm -hmm. your, your double success level. Uh, there, there was something that increased the complication. So instead of just a 20, maybe it's 1920, 18, 19, 20, yep. 17, 18, 19, 20. Is that dread? Well, we're going to find out because hope, hopefully they have the same mechanic here. I, I forget what it was called in, in, uh, in mutant chronicles. I, I don't mutant think it was, I believe, I believe it was. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So important thing to remember is that a complication is an inconvenience. Complications are independent of success or failure, and it's entirely possible to succeed at a skill test while simultaneously generating a complication. How can that be done, Heathen Dog? Well, watch this. 
I am going to strike Max Liao in the head with a hammer. And I roll. I need, it's a, it's a D1 test. He doesn't see it coming. I'm, I'm behind him, right? Happens. And I roll a 20 and a four. I got one success. That's all I needed. <laughs> That's absolutely all I need to hit him. I hit him, but I got a complication. I hit him and then the, the hammer slipped out of my hand. That's entirely plausible. That that's a complication after a success. Now, a complication after failure would be if I rolled uh, an eighteen and a twenty. I got a failure and a complication. I missed him. The hammer hit the ground. It vibrated out of my hand. Same complication, but as a failure. There we go. Good explanation. Doom as complication. If a suitable complication is not easy to determine, the Game Master can choose to add two points of doom. Now, this should be recognizable to you, right? Yeah. Same yeah. thing happened. Okay. Uh, to the doom pool instead. Now, doom, what was it called? Is Dark Symmetry in Mutant Chronicles? It's yeah, doom it dark here. Symmetry. It's, it's basically the, the Game Master's momentum. Yep. Doom yeah. is a Game Master resource. Look at you segueing into the next sentence. Yeah. Discussed in more detail on page 269 in the next video. I'm going to skip most of this. Be, uh, because it's not necessary uh, at the moment. To, at a, right at the moment, and we're going to talk a lot more about doom, momentum, and uh, chronicle points, or whatever they're called in this one, uh, in the next video. So, without making this take too long, just know that the game master also has a mechanic that can be used against you. Now, the argument for this is that people like, hey, it keeps the game master under control to some degree. The game master has a finite resource to use to mess with the characters. I'm personally against that. I think that game masters have the right to do whatever they want in the game. However, if a game master is overly dickish, you just leave that game. But I do get the point of, of people who look at this like, hey, you know, it's, it's a resource. It's a give and take resource. I think, as uh, somebody put in chat a bit ago, as we said in the Mutant Chronicles things, I will not speak for Heathen Dog, but for me, I think it is too fiddly. I think it becomes too gamey. And I mean, metagamey, I don't know, it's outside the role-playing aspect of the game, but that's a personal opinion of mine. Well, uh, but that it is there, and it is there for the game has to use like momentum. My, my problem is that Doom is, is, uh, is used by, by the Game Master very much like momentum. Mm -hmm. You can do momentum things with it, but unlike the players, they, they cannot pad their momentum. I mean, uh, they, where, whereas players do can pad their momentum, a game master is restricted in, in how he gets doom points. It has to be either failures or gifts from the players. He can't just pad his own doom score. But he does like start with a higher number. If, it, if it's like Mutant Chronicles, he does start with a higher number because of uh, he starts equal to the, uh, again, I forget what it's called, Chronicle points. Yeah, but, but we'll get to that later. He can't. He can't arbitrarily pat it like like apparently crafty thinks players should <laughs> so just get, I, want, I want seven more um, so you know all 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 of my bad guys are going to do all these d0 tests you know for players it's okay for, for game masters or not shut up <laughs> untrained skill tests that's getting too much into the minutiae for what we want to talk about here but i do because we got to bring it up are, are you ready ethan dog we got to talk about difficulty zero tests as if we haven't already. 
Certain circumstances, as well as particular talents, items, and abilities can reduce the difficulty of a skill test, thus reducing the test difficulty to simple, a D0. I'm, now, that part you're, you're in agreement with, right? I'm completely cool with that. Yeah, completely cool with that. At other times, the test may be so easy and basic that it does not require a test in the first place. Then, then don't roll. These are the, also simple D0 tests. Doesn't require it, which means you just move on. You don't roll it. Just say you yes. You don't roll it. <laughs> You just say it happens. You don't roll it. But I want to gain momentum. Shut up. Stop being a mama's boy. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much, but it did. <clears throat> if a test is a simple D0, it does not require a test. It is automatically, su automatically successful with zero successes, requires no effort whatsoever, and carries no risk of complications. However, because no test is made, it can generate no momentum. Right. Even right. <laughs> it's like right. obvious. Hello. Even bonus momentum from talents gear, particularly advantageous situations. In okay. circumstances where something significant is at stake or during a dramatic sequence of events, the game master may require a skill test. Wow, nope. require. Nope. <laughs> even for a simple task. Representing a potentially unexpected outcome, even when all seems predictably safe. I have not read chat, but I bet you it's in chat now or it will be very soon when somebody types in there. Yes, but if you don't roll, then you also don't have possible complications. I'm right. okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely cool with that. See, here, here's the problem I have with this paragraph. It says, in circumstances where something significant is at stake or during a dramatic sequence of events. A simple task will not fit into those two criteria. A simple task is not significant or dramatic, you ass. <laughs> that is not what a simple task is. A, a simple task is tying your shoe. A simple task is picking up a button from the ground. This is neither dramatic nor significant. You're shooting yourself in the foot, Conan. You really are on this one. This is a bad look for you. Stop it. Such a test also comes with the risk of complications. Not if you don't roll it. If, well, if I roll to pick up that button, I could fall down in three and three stooges is this thing for you. Yeah, you, you, you could roll a, a double 20 if you, you know, you could. But I'm not going to let you be, because if, if you go to tie your shoe, I want to roll that. Okay, you roll double 20. You go to tie your shoe, you fall down a cliff and die. <laughs> really really from tying your shoe no, no you only broke your wrist and now you're at no. minus combat <laughs> both of those are absolutely ridiculous complications for the task at hand but if you double complicate you you either you either put yourself in a ridiculous hannah barbera you know looney tunes situation or you give the game master four doom points both of those are absolutely ridiculous outcomes that should never have happened in the first place. So are you saying I can roll the time I shoot now? No, you can't. <laughs> you just do it. But I only have one arm. Guess what? It's no longer D0. Now it's D1. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, great segue. Are you reading these things? No. Setting the difficulty. The game master determines the difficulty level of the given test. Now, we already talked about difficulty is how many successes you need. So let's forget about reading the paragraph. Let's just look at some ideas of yeah. like what can add difficulty. Combinations. I like this first one. And, I, and while it makes sense, I've actually heard arguments over things like this. If there are multiple elements that individually are not enough to warrant a penalty, 
The combination of conditions can collectively increase difficulty by one step. It's uh, it's like what we in where I work, you know, derivative classification. This might not be, or by compilation, I should actually say, this might not be classified. This might not be classified. Putting them together, guess what? It's classified. You know, uh, sure. I mean, a, 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 a more a more straightforward analogy would be uh, if if you're picking a lock, slightly dim light is is not going to uh, is not going to affect you much at all but slightly dim light it's too hot you're sweating combined with uh there's uh you're you're you're, you're standing in three inches of water any one of those things alone would not sig- would, would not significantly increase the difficulty of your task all three together a game master could rightly say that all three of these conditions together equal one adverse condition hmm. plus plus one uh, difficulty. Yep. Difficulty from one to two. Now you have to get two successes in order to. And some other options here are conditions here are lighting, difficult terrain, disruption or distraction, distance, equipment, foreign language. That's obviously for a social test, right? Noise, poor weather, <laughs> noise. Oh, for me, would that be double difficult? Do I have like some sort of doom mechanic for <laughs> poor weather random motion random motion what being oh being on a galloping horse strongly okay that makes sense Just or you're, you're you're trying to do surgery on someone who's like, in a cart yeah. yeah there you go social factors unfamiliarity or complexity so all these make sense uh, for me it's just a level of duress that's like the word i like to use it's just the you know when there's duress added the difficulty becomes higher that that sure. all makes perfect sense i'm cool with that oh we got st- uh, snuggle struggles what's this oh nice at times, rather than overcoming the challenge and difficulties posed by circumstances, a character may instead be forced. Wait, be forced trying to best an opponent either directly. Instead, be forced trying to best an opponent. No, it so, makes sense. It's just awkward. Okay. Directly, such as trying to strike a defensive foe. Oh, this is a post test. Mm-hmm. Or indirectly, uh, multiple characters. Yeah, yeah. These situations go. Okay, so they call a post test struggles. Got it. All right. So well, two let, char- let's keep going because that didn't automatically explain it for everyone else. Right. When two characters are in direct opposition to one another, each character involved in the task performs a skill test related to that action. The characters achieving the character, not characters, the character achieving the greatest quantity of momentum succeeds achieving the okay. goal. So let's okay, look so at the this, example. Uh, this is kind of like a, a resisted success test. Yep. Okay. Uh, you have different games called different things. Here it's right. struggle. This, this one's called struggle, which I get. I mean, it makes sense if, if you if you use the common arm wrestling analogy, yep. then struggle sounds sounds good. Which so is it's, always it's, the easiest one to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when when you when you're in a direct uh, struggle with, with with someone else, where you're rolling opposing number of successes, it's the number of momentum that wins. Mm-hmm. But you still have to succeed in the task, and then the actual victor is whoever got the most momentum. Let's see if I understand that right. Let's look at the example. So uh, can you read the super chat first? I don't see it. Oh, I see it now. All right, Flatley. This should be renamed the Revenge of the Nerds mechanic where you risk breaking your leg playing a game of chess. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nice. For $4.99, thank you. (laughs) Yep. Yep. All right, let's let's read this example. Uh, The Nordheimer Berserker called... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's okay. Go, go ahead and make it bigger. I'll read it. Okay. I know my reading sucks. It's getting worse. <laughs> it is. The Nordheimer Berserker called Herrick Blood 
Broadax, wow, that's a good one, is in hot pursuit of a Zamorian cut purse through the nighted back alleys of the mall. This sort of sustained race is a struggle. Okay, someone's running, another person's chasing. Get it. Herrick's brawn is 13 and his athletics is one. Expertise one and focus one. This will come in later. Giving him a target number of 14. The game master determines that the cut purse's brawn is eight and his athletics is two. Wow. Due to the chaotic nature of the mall, limited light due to night and Herrick's relative unfamiliarity with the area, it's a challenging D2 chase. The game master combines the smaller complications into one step. Okay. Normally, the cuppers would have an easier time of it, but since he's constantly looking backward to see where Herrick's at, as well as uh, lugging Herrick's satchel, heavy with treasure, the difficulty is the same for him. Challenging D2. Each of them rolls. Through a combination of spent momentum and other talents, Herrick rolls 4D20 and generates results of 17, 1, 12, and 12. The game master throws the Zamorians two points of doom, and adds 2d20 to his roll to make it a bit suspenseful. So he also rolls 4d20, the result of 12, 28, and 6. Herrick gets a total of four successes, 12, 12, 2, and 1. The Zamoran cut purse is less fortunate with only two successes, 8 and 6, and a complication with that 20. Both of them achieve their goal and not... Yeah, they, they both get their two successes and do not trip, get lost, etc. But Herrick is the clear winner of the struggle. Why? Each was successful in navigating the challenges. They both got two successes. With Herrick's extra successes yielding him to momentum. The cut purse earns no momentum and Herrick's total is unmodified, leaving him with two momentum. So they both got two successes. They both successfully navigated the maze of the malls, back alleys, and whatnot. But Herrick got to momentum on top of the basic success. So he wins this struggle, this fight, uh, this, this uh, a, a skill fight between two, two characters. So yes, I did understand it properly. Excellent. You, you want to finish it up here? The game master is that the complication result in the cut purse inadvertently running or down an alley and seeing the end has been bricked up recently. Oh, that's funny. That, that is very cinematic. Uh, putting him in a dead end with a very angry person he stole blocking the soul way out the game master asks herrick's player what he's going to do well obviously i'm going to pull the knife from my belt and stick this cut purse like a pig because that's what you do to thieves in the night <laughs> there you go yeah um i'm actually glad you read that not me because it had some sentence structure in there that would have made me hire an editor folks hire an editor this is not never no no yeah, I, I actually paused at the at, too. I'm like, eh. but I, I pushed through. <laughs> You're better than me. I have a hard time with that. All right. So I think we get the idea of the struggle snuggle, right? The snuggle struggle. There we go. Now, success at cost. There are times when failed skill tests cause an interesting scene to grind to a halt, or the consequences of failure may not be particularly noteworthy. In such situations, the game master may permit a character to succeed in spite of a failed skill test, but at some additional uh. cost. Say what now? Yeah. Please explain. In these cases, character succeeds at the task attempted, but fails to prevent some additional problem from arising as well. The character immediately suffers between one and three complications. Wow. Remember, those are just inconveniences. Sure. Three of them in a row uh, gets a little more. <laughs> it's up to the game master to adjudicate the cost. Well, thank you for giving the game master authority. 
but a recommended guideline is one complication for most tests, two for tests above daunting three. So daunting is what difficulty three is. These, oh, okay, and two. So where's the third one? Why, why, when do I get to do three? Epic, the, apparently. <laughs> these complications are in addition to any generated by the test itself. For example, if the character rolls a 20 on a failed average D1 test and the game master permits the character to succeed despite the failure, then roll, oh. then the roll counts as generating two complications. No. Okay. No, I, I, no. It's too gamey. This is stupid, stupid, stupid. If, the, if you wanted him to succeed in the first place, make it a D0 test. Yeah. stupid this come is on too if he for fails me. and they're like oh no no I'm, uh, you, you're, you're going to succeed but I'm going to give you a complication no it should have been a D0 if you wanted him to succeed no matter what what is wrong with this game no, I, I agree with that completely uh, don't roll dice if you if no, you don't want it, the random result of the dice don't roll dice this yeah, is what a role playing game you roll a die when failure is an option but yep. this is like oh no failure is not always an option you still want you to roll, but you'll still succeed no matter what. Screw you, game. No. I, still, I just want you to roll see how many complications I can give you. Yeah, that's it. No, no, that's stupid. That's stupid. Wow. All right, that was horrible. All right, improving the odds. Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. What? Go to the last paragraph. You really want me to read that? No, no, hang on. Any success gained at a cost is gained without momentum, even bonus momentum or momentum taken from a group's pool. The character only gains the most basic level. Extent. You can't even use momentum at the gain of the costing. What's the point of rolling at all? There's, there's literally zero point of rolling except for the game master screwing you. If you fail and doing nothing, if you succeed stupid, absolute garbage, absolute garbage. I, I get it. It fits within the scope of this game, and I do understand that. But but it goes back to what we were saying before in Mutant Chronicles, and I'm saying it here as well. This this ebb and flow of momentum and doom and chronicle points and and complications that to me seems to just have such a high relevance to the game. And I know the game's built around it that I don't want in my games. That That's really what it comes down to. I'm not saying the game's bad. Obviously, we know Crafty loves it. Omen Owl loves it. Uh, DM James loves the game. This game is out there for a lot of different people to love. For me personally, I think it's it's too gamified. Yeah, here, here we go. Here, here's a really good example. Indiana Jones failed to jump the chasm, but the GM calls success at a cost. Indiana falls into the chasm, but grabs onto a vine instead. Okay, here, here's, here, here's why this is stupid. If you know that Indiana Jones can't die here, the Game Master knows Indiana Jones can't die here. Why are you rolling at all? Just to make him look bad and grab a vine? Or is it just to make sure Indiana is saved by plot armor? The other people in your group are not going to appreciate the game master giving Indiana plot armor all the time. For a movie, we understand he gets plot armor because he's the hero. But in a, in a game, players resent people given plot armor. This mechanic is plot armor. Even when you fail, you don't. You're too important to the story. This has to happen, but I'm going to make you roll anyway. Stupid. I'm going to play double. Devil's advocate for a moment on that. 
not that I disagree with you, but I just want to I want to put the other side out there with regard to the the. It's, this is hard because I agree with you. Um, is it's a cinematic flair. You know what? You failed that role. You failed jumping across the chasm, but I'm going to give you an opportunity opportunity to not die. We're going we're going to give you a complication. I'm going to let you succeed, but you're going to have a complication. So instead you of just I having you see that in games, you and I, I do. No, I, I do. I, I, I'm with you. But I understand in a cinematic style of play where this one skill, remember, we go back to the whole thing. One skill role shouldn't kill a person. And I do believe I actually do believe in that one skill other than a combat role that's cleaved somebody in half. I actually do believe in the concept that one skill role failed skill role, should not kill somebody. And this is kind of the way around that. Where maybe in D&D or some other game, we'd say, well, okay, you tripped over the chasm, now make another roll to see if you grab the vine. This one just says, I'm giving you the complication that you grab the vine, now you have to figure your way out with the snakes slithering down there and the punji sticks poking up at you. And hopefully that vine can hold you for a while. You know, whatever. I, I, it's two sides of kind of the same yeah. coin. Well, I'm, this, not, I'm not with it, but yeah. Yeah, this, this, this mechanic is there to, to give the player plot armor. And that's that's all it does, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Fair. Well, well, well you know what? What do you folks think? Seriously, we want to know. I mean, not every game is for every person. Maybe this game just isn't for him or me or us. Yeah, you know, Max's example of the whole, you know, the that that whole thing. It made sense in a movie. In a movie, that makes sense. But I just can't make make sense of it in a tabletop role-playing game okay i'm I'm gonna sneeze here so can you can you read this next uh, hold up this next part improving the odds got it while succeeding at most common tasks is a straightforward matter even the most skilled character cannot succeed at the most difficult task without effort makes sense opportunity or assistance skill focus allows the character to reach higher difficulties some of the time but to truly triumph the character needs to find some other way of improving the odds there are a number of ways to succeed at difficulties beyond those granted by the default 2d20 roll. Most provide additional d20s to roll on a skill test. Extra dice allow a character to score more successes and thus succeed at higher difficulty. This is all tracking so far. Or even simply generate more momentum. Gross. However, Sorry. these extra dice always come with some sort of cost. No, they don't. But I understand where you're going with this. The option of a character chooses to depend entirely upon what cost the player is willing and able to pay. Broadly, there are five different ways to improve the odds of success. These are described in detail below and can be combined as desired. However, regardless of the methods used, a character can never roll more than three additional D20s, a maximum of five. That is a hard cap. There is no glass ceiling here, ladies. It's five D20s. Any more, you just lose them. Sorry. All right. I start, I start a couple of chats. Um, we're not going to go through these in, in depth here, but we will say that, hey, you can create an opportunity. Just read the adding to doom. <laughs> That's always a fun one, right? Let's give the game master some more ways to mess with us. Using fortune, which we have not talked about yet. We will do that in the next video. That's why I'm kind of going through this. Uh, players can spend multiple points of fortune on a single roll, but fortune points must be spent before the rest of the dice are rolled. 
So you can't like, okay, hold on. I got one success. Let me try for one more. Let me try for another. Expending resources. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. So many characters. Oh, oh, yeah. Using more ammunition to give yourself. Okay. Using more more supplies. Basically, this is a a brute forcing the problem. Exactly. Drink the potion. Throw more bodies at it. You know, like. Oh, the potion not strong enough? Uh, put some ginger in there. But you know, just add add more Tabasco. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. You were in the military. Add more Tabasco. Uh, teamwork and assistance. Throw more bodies. Yep. So there we go. So that that's a way. Whew. Okay. This. Thank God we don't have a second part to this one. So we're gonna jump right into the third. Oh, actually no, we got to read these comments. So um, we only have three. Or oh, actually, you had one. I added two right at the end there. So what do we have? Big difference between Mutant Chronicles Conan is the damage die. In effect, adds plus one damage. And if it, yes, 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 yes. So in Mutant Chronicles, one and two did extra da- or did damage. Three right. and four, three, four, and five were ignored. And six was the effect. Was the effect. But in this one, one and two add damage. Five, five also adds damage. Uh, yeah, five, yeah, five and six add damage and effect. And effect. So same time. So okay. Got it. So yeah, this this one apparently is uh, is much more deadly. So Patrick Butley says, um, I think some level plot armor is acceptable in some games. Conan is meant to be pulp fantasy action, so it makes sense to simulate the genre. And I won't argue with that. Yeah, you know that that's that's fine. That is fine, but you have to have every single person at the table on board with that idea. Or someone's someone's going to get butt hurt, and I think rightly so. So one of the things that hasn't been mentioned, but has definitely mentioned, not just in our Discord circles, I've seen it in other places when looking at uh, topics about this game. This game is not meant for six people to be at the table. Six people is no. too much. This no, game is no. meant for one, two, maybe three, three players. Top. Yeah. yeah. Now this one I brought up because I thought it was funny. Actually, I have a comment to it. Grant says, uh, I played the Star Trek version of this game. Did you did you shudder when he said that? <laughs> For conventions? I, and you know, we, we have we have a very negative video about that. Yeah, uh, that I'm took not, you I'm not a big fan of the Star Trek version. But it took you two years to finally finish that series, <laughs> thanks to Duncan Idaho. Anyway, for a convention and one-offs, the system is great. But for a long campaign with deep role play, not so much. Personal opinion. I wanted to I, say I one thing. That. I, I can see that. I mean... Uh, um the this the uh the uh, 2d20 system if you have a skilled game master is really easy to just you don't have to understand it all to play it to play it properly you don't have to get all of it you don't have to have nuance you can play it now the whole uh uh, long-term campaign, no no deep role play I disagree I mean you, you can role I can role play almost anything even this game, I could, I could deep long-term year, year and a half campaign do this and, you know, and, and besides the system have fun. So I'm not, I'm not with you on the last part, but uh, yeah, for, for convention game, I I can see this working well for, for the, you know, for obvious reasons, it's, it's easy for a a skilled game master to get people through it. Mm -hmm. First play. I think that it requires a specific type of game. And if there's something that I'm going to say, because, you know, we've been kind of negative on this, um, 
the positive side of it is that pulpiness. See, I, I'm not interested in a pulpy game. <laughs> that, that's why I struggle with this one. Much more okay with like the diesel punk of, of uh, Mutant Chronicles than I am with a pulpy game. It's just, again, my tastes. My tastes are not in that area. I like them to be gritty, dark, Game of Thrones-ish, if you want to call it that, with, with much less penis. Uh, I, I, that's more my flavor. Pulpy action, almost gonzo, is just not what, what I go for. So these rules that really do assist with that, they do. If you're looking for sword and sorcery, if you're looking for that pulpy action, this, these, this rule set does work for you. But Star Trek is like one of the worst games for the 2D20 system. Absolute horrific system for Star Trek because Star Trek is not pulp like that. No, it is not. L listen to me. Listen to me, people. I am still committed to getting through this game. I quit halfway through Star Trek Adventures. <laughs> got right. so, much, so much hate mail on that one. Too. I quit. I quit through it. It was just stupid. I quit. This one, I'm I'm not quitting. There are parts of it that are dumb. The entire book was wrong in star trek adventures it was just written wrong set up wrong it was just wrong and he got through more of the book than me i remember the specific page number i stopped looking it was page 14 <laughs> i did not get past page 14 of that book it was so horribly written the only thing great about star trek adventures that is better than conan and mutant chronicles but mutant chronicles only by a hair but definitely better than Conan was character was the life path character generation in Star Trek Adventures was outstanding. I loved it. It was better than Mutant Chronicles, much better than Conan. Well, what's cool is us putting our opinions in here before we move on to the next segment is the fact that you out there, folks, let, let me hit the, get the subscribe thingy out. There we go. Subscribe to the channel. We're giving our opinions, but you're absolutely free. Our Discord is agreeing with, uh, disagreeing with us. Our chat, a lot of them are disagreeing with us right now, and that's perfectly that's fine. fine. Uh, this is our tastes are a little different. Hell, Heathen Dog's tastes are a little different than mine. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, what we want to do is we want to present this to you with our opinions, and then you make the choice. I'll tell you right now, if you said, you know what, I watch these videos, and you guys are hate mongers on the game, but I loved it, and I went and bought it, I'm going to say, awesome. Great. That's great, man. You, uh, we 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 helped you you know fi find a game that you like do 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 was it help in spite of us or because <laughs> of us either way doesn't matter to me i still call it a w exactly <laughs> fine all right for the third part of segment uh oh of segment one I am going to apparently not talk about anything I want to talk about. There we go. We're going to talk about momentum, doom, and those pesky little chronicle points. Before I do that, I got to let you know a few things. And the first one is that we believe role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and the focus of the game should be a role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are, you can see them on the screen right there, learn to read. That's right. I said it. I went there. Hashtag RPGate. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Go ahead and scan that cute little guy there that's in the square with the little nuggets around him. You want you want to say hello to him and uh and donate to the Wounded Warrior Project. I know you do. And of course, 
We got video game streams on Thursdays and Sunday evenings with the Dirty Casuals, who play multiplayer games for your mockery enjoyment, and you get game-related tabletop, I should say, tabletop role-playing game-oriented content on Sundays, like the one you're about to watch right now, or you can join on Friday night, where our panel of guests opine, comment, editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. We're not a tutorial. We're reading through the game. We're having some fun. Uh... Our thoughts on it right now might be a little less than positive, but that doesn't make it a bad game inherently. It just means that we're not as enamored with it. That's all it means. Boom. Here we go. Momentum. Got to talk about momentum because this is so core to the game, and I know there were there already thoughts and opinions <laughs> expressed in the last video. Right Now right. let's find out specifically what's going on. Okay, before we get into this, I want to mm -hmm. tell everyone that I am much more into momentum than Max is. I'm much more into it. I like the idea. Generally, I like how it's implemented. Okay. Okay. I, I like momentum until it's stored. See, I'm okay with that. Okay. Fair. We, we, we have differing opinion on that. I just don't like, I just don't like padding it. I don't like that idea, but okay. we're, we're going to actually get into what momentum is. And then you can make the decision for yourself. Absolutely. So when the number of successes scored in a skill test is greater than the difficulty rating, so if you have a difficulty rating two and you get four successes, you have two extra successes there, you have sure. two momentum. Great. Momentum can be spent immediately to perform the given task more effectively, or it can be saved and applied to actions taken later. And that's the part that makes me quiver. That's the part he's like. Here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Now, the explanation in my head for that is, is this. Using immediately. Let, let, let's say you you're, you're shoot somebody. You need one success. You got three. Mm -hmm. That means you have two momentum. You can use that momentum to do extra damage. You shot him in the eye. You can use that. You can use, use that momentum to uh, uh, shoot him in the kneecap to make him fall down. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do that. Or you you did it so well. You you shot that guy from the hip. Quick draw from the hip. Bam! You shot him. Peep. Your friends, your group saw you do that. Just dominate this guy. And they are emboldened. That is the group momentum. You, you pass that momentum to the group pool. They can now pull from it to do their next actions because you embolden them. You increase their morale, giving them a greater chance of success or to succeed more, uh, more effectively because of your example. I get it. I like it. All right, let's move on. Momentum is of benefit to the entire group, not merely the player character that generated it. And it can be an extremely powerful tool if used skillfully. I think that's the other, my other uh, dislike of momentum is, and, and I want to, I got to be very clear. It's meant to be this way in the game. Yeah. It's a mechanic of the game I don't like because it is very gamified. It tells you here, if you use it skillfully, if you're min maxing it or whatever terms you want to use, if you're theory crafting it, but I don't want to theory craft game points. I don't want to theory craft beads. I want to role play a character. Well, that's all part of role playing. Now, if I have to think about how it's going to affect my momentum, it's not to me. It's not role playing anymore. But again, that's just my take on it. So, players are encouraged to be creative in their uses of momentum, allowing them to build new successes upon the foundations of past victories. The game master may wish to require that players describe how they take advantage of momentum taken from the group pool, such as reflecting any of the above mentioned congruent factors. 
generated wow generating momentum we already said hey you can build it up by getting extra successes right mm -hmm. upon succeeding at a skill test the player should set aside or otherwise take note of the amount of momentum generated these points can then be used while the character resolves the current task or save for later use as described later importantly the player does not have to determine what the momentum will be used for at this point a player determines what momentum is being used for only when it is spent okay actually that does make sense why why would i declare well five rounds from now i'm gonna no so some talents items and circumstances grant bonuses to momentum which is added to the total momentum generated by a successful skill test the bonus momentum doesn't come into existence until after the test is successful Makes sense. Spending. Commonly, a character will spend some or all the momentum generated to benefit the task currently being attempted. All right, yeah, with that. For example, a character attacking an opponent may spend momentum to increase the amount of damage inflicted. Heathen Dog already gave us examples of that. Forward thinking of the game. You read this book, didn't you? No. As noted before, the player does not have to declare what momentum is being used for until the time it is spent and does not need to spend momentum in advance to obtain effects later. Continuing from the prior example, an attacking character doesn't need to spend momentum to increase the amount of damage inflicted until after the damage roll. Momentum spends can be made as soon as the need for them becomes apparent. Momentum is always useful. There's no chance of wasting momentum by spending it on a benefit that isn't needed. I don't know why that paragraph was there, but okay. Well, they, they, they wanted to make sure that momentum is never considered a bad thing. Fair. Yeah, you know, okay, that does make it just stop dickish DMs or GMs, whatever. Right, I, exactly. I get that. Yeah. Oh, you wasted it. <laughs> Most momentum spends can only be used once on any given skill test or effect. In action scenes, a character can only use a given momentum spend once in any round. However, some momentum spends are described as repeatable. This means they can be used as frequently as the character has the desired momentum to spend. I'm guessing extra damage is one of those? Sure. Or once extended the, actions of some kind, maybe? Once the character's task is resolved, any unspent momentum is lost. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Once the character's task is resolved, or an action or scene at the end of the turn, at the end of the turn, any unspent momentum is lost. However, however, however the characters have the option to save momentum for later use of the wood, then it's not lost. That is, yeah, that, that is really, really bad writing. Okay, here's the thing. Momentum's never lost. How about that? I'm going to rewrite this right now. If you roll momentum on your roll and you don't use it, it goes to the group pool. It's not lost. It's transferred. It's transferred to the group pool. Now, maybe I, a player can say, I don't want to transfer to the group pool. Kick that player off table. He's dick. It's always transferred to the group pool. If not used, it's never lost. Now, from the group pool, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's a mechanic just like in the, in the other games where you lose momentum every round or so just because of, you know, it's it's timing out. You're no longer as morale up because of that action. The so momentum, momentum fades, slowly, yeah. but you don't just lose all momentum if you don't use it. No. See, I was for this when it ended right here. I was like, oh, OK, actually, I kind of like momentum now. And then there's this one. All right. Yeah, that was just really poor writing. All right, let's see. Uh, some momentum spends are not tied. I don't care anymore. Okay, saving momentum. As noted above, players have the option of saving momentum rather than letting unspent momentum go to waste. 
like I said, this, any player who does this is a dick. The saved momentum goes into a group pool, which can be added to or drawn from by any character in the group. This pool represents the benefits of the group's collective successes. In bold, no more than six points of momentum may be saved in this pool at any time. Sure. Any points of excess momentum in the group pool are discarded. Okay, so there you go. Not lost, discarded. During any successful skill test, a character may spend momentum saved in the group momentum pool instead of or in addition to any points generated from the successful skill test itself, spending from either or both as desired. As normal, momentum is only spent as needed, so a character does not have to choose how much momentum to draw from the group pool until it is actually needed, and it does not need to be spent all at once, though all points of momentum spent on a specific role must be spent when the role is made. At the yep. end of each scene, or each full round in an action scene, the shared momentum pool decreases with one point of momentum disappearing, representing the cooling of tempers, the waning of enthusiasm, all the other stuff that uh, Heathen Dog said a moment ago. Right, exactly. So, you know, you have a maximum of six, but at the at the beginning of, of every new round or action or, or whatever, you lose one from the group pool. So you, you constantly have to be refilling it. You constantly have to be, you know, you know, mindful of it or it's, or it's going to slip away. Okay. Now, immediate spends. I am going to skip the paragraphs here because I want, there should be a chart for this. Yeah. At least there was in the last game. And then again, maybe there's not. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? Come on. I don't see a chart. All right. I guess I'm reading the paragraph. It's stuff you spend immediately. It's weird. Some momentum spends are not tied to a specific test and can be used freely as soon as they are required, spending points directly from the group's momentum pool rather than waiting for a successful skill test. These spends are referred to as immediate. Immediate momentum spends typically have some other restrictions on how and when they can be used, but those restrictions are specific to the individual spends. Immediate momentum spends can also be paid for with doom, which will be described in depth later. Not too much later. A single point of doom paid to the game master provides the same benefits as a single point of momentum spent. So doom, as already has been mentioned, is game master momentum. Yeah. Or equivalent of. It's not exactly, but equivalent of. When paying for an immediate momentum spend, the cost can be split, paid partly in momentum and partly in doom, if the player desires. Yeah, okay. uh, the, this, this game does not want to put restrictions on the player on when and when or where they can or cannot give the game master free free stuff they you can get anytime you want you, you, you can give the game master ways to screw you over at any point in the game good luck now you would think i'd skip this paragraph but this is actually one of the central tenets of the 2d20 momentum system unlike the player characters non-player characters do not have the option of saving momentum into a group pool Instead, any non-player character that concludes a task with momentum left over can add a single point to the Game Master's Doom Pool for each point of momentum unspent. That is weird. I don't, I don't think I like... Okay, Do you remember okay. what they could use with that Doom Pool? Remember, um, was it enemy can't reload? They don't have like reloads for weapons. I, I know this isn't right. a futuristic game, so they have to spend a doom point in order to be able to continue shooting. I I, I don't know the, the precise example for this game right now, but but it's used for certain mundane tasks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll move on here. Uh, Non-allied 
non-player characters can spend from the Doom Pool just as player characters draw from the group momentum pool. Okay. Allied non-player characters can draw from momentum... Sorry. Allied non-player characters can draw from the momentum pool if allowed by the players, but cannot add any earned momentum to it. Dicks. They're just parasites. Mm. The Doom Pool described on page 269, and that will be okay. looked that will be looked at later. Okay, okay. Now I'm I'm a little better. I'm a little, you know, feeling a little better about this because when you first read that, it said non go scroll up a little bit. Unlike the player characters, non-player characters do not have the option of saving momentum. Instead, any non-player character that concludes a task with momentum left over can add a single point to the Game Master's Doom Pool for each point of momentum unspent. Here's the problem with that. It does not say allied or, or non-allied at that point. So even your even, even your, your minions, if they have momentum left over, it gets converted to Doom? Give it to the DM. It can add a but single point to the game. At, uh, just that paragraph alone tells me that it's the game master's privilege to say, oh, uh, your your minion got, got four successes. Well, too bad. He only needed two. I get two doom. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. But later on, it, it differentiates allied and non-allied. So even though it doesn't exactly refute what that first paragraph says, it refutes it enough to where I can make a ruling and say, no, extreme successes on minions on your side do not contribute to game master power. All right. It says below. So let's see what it says below for things that you can do with momentum. And we're not going to read each one of these things. All right. Create an opportunity, immediate and repeatable. So that means use as immediate and you can do this over and over again. Create obstacle. See if any of these obtain information. So the more momentum you spend, the more information you get. Sure. Uh, increase scope of success. Kind of the Hang same on. thing. I want to explain that. With momentum, a character can affect additional targets. Increase. Oh, scope of like area of effect. Okay. Increase the area affected by a successful task or otherwise enlarge the extent of an accomplishment. The precise effects on this and the cost are left to the game master's discretion. Under some circumstances, this may be repeatable, such as affecting additional people within a given group. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't immediately understand what increase the scope of success meant. Now I get it. Increase the area of effect of a, of a success. If it's a, if it's a grenade, maybe you can increase, you know, you, you place the grenade perfectly and it hit more people. Or if it's, a, if it's say, convincing someone of something, you can convince a group of people. Or multiple people of something by talking, or, con or just convince them better. Yeah, you can do better or more people. Yeah, you know. Okay, I get it now. All right. See anything up there? Nope. Uh, what's this? Quality of success. Reduce the time required. That's always a good one. That is always a good one. Yeah, just do it faster. Because usually time is of the essence, right? Right. Okay, a lot of green stuff here. I'm not going to read. Uh. Zoom out a little bit, and I think that is it for this. Nope. Now, now I have to go to the other page, the game master section again. Let's try two seventy. I don't know. Two. In there. Two seventy-two. Oh Jesus! I'm still way off. Pages off. All right, momentum. Now this is the game master's version of it. So let's see what it says here for game masters. Momentum keeps things in motion. When every wow. character wow, 
don't don't do it. There's already a pun in chat that I ignored. I saw that, Krantz. I saw it. <laughs> Whenever a character succeeds on a test, there's a good chance you will get you generate one or more points of momentum. This is a valuable resource for the group as a whole and helps ensure one player's success is a boon for everyone else. Sure. Okay. Success begets more success hey, until the know. doom is played. But yeah. <laughs> true, true, but but yeah, yeah. Win, winning can be a snowball effect. Oh know? yeah, winners keep winning, losers keep losing. That's how it works. There you go. Yeah, no, and and you're right. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, groups of momentum. I kind of said that a little snarky, so that's why I followed down. <laughs> I'm like, ah, whatever. And the group's momentum pool helps bind both players and player characters together. Mm, this is the part. I think. Uh, okay, yes, I understand what you're trying to say, and yes, I get it. But for me, no, it actually takes me, it ruins my immersion. It well, doesn't here, assist here, here's, here's what I think about it. Here's, here's what I think about it. Um, think of it this way. In volleyball, like, you know, when, 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 I, was, when mm. I was a teenager, I watched women's volleyball for obvious reasons. Now, <laughs> common in volleyball is to set up someone for a spike. Mm. Think of group momentum that way. You're setting up someone else going later than you for a devastating attack using the momentum you generated. Think of it like that. I, I, I get that. I'm cool with that. Momentum means a character may succeed faster or better on a test. It means that the nimble climber, stealthy assassin guides a less adept group through disaster. That's actually one of the things that I really liked about momentum when we did this with Mutant Chronicles was that, I don't want to call it the NPCs, but how it, that, what was it, that increased scope? Yep. And yeah, great. I succeeded so well, but what does that really mean? Oh, it meant that I could actually help them out. Yes. Like now they are able to get through for whatever reason. I, I do like how it, it can be passed along, so to speak. By generating enough momentum. Oops, I just scrolled past where I was uh, no Momentum to boost skill sets. A full momentum pool for a group means that things are going well and allows them to augment their successes and mitigate their failures. Momentum is good. A lot of the options. Are, okay. I. Read is good. Okay. A player may ask to spend momentum on a particular outcome after rolling and where the rules allowed. It should be permitted. That's. I'm well, going to tell you, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I like it. I do like it, but that's always a hairy one. Yeah. But I, I, I would not allow buying D20s after you rolled the first two. If you want to, if, if you want to buy more dice, you got to buy it before you roll anything. But the other stuff, maybe it, it depends on the action. Yeah, it says the game master should decide. I didn't want to read the whole paragraph, but it looks like I'm going to. The game master should decide whether a particular momentum spend is applicable or not and declare it as such before the player rolls. Yeah. Uh, okay, game I'm master cool. should encourage unique and creative momentum spends by the characters. Sometimes the options already presented in these rules will be sufficient, but a particular circumstance may offer new options outside any anticipated scope. It is worth remembering that a momentum spend does not have to be directly linked to the test that generated that momentum. Just keep beating that into my skull because I don't like it. Because you don't like it. <laughs> uh, it, may, it may instead allow the character to gain secondary effect or benefit having succeeded so significantly on something else that the character can now do something else on top of what the original skill test was achieved. Now, that was a very obtuse, but I get it. I it get is. what it is. I, 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 think of, I think of that as... Uh, um, an, an example would be there, there is the bad guy and he's holding a box with a big red button. That's going to blow up 
the your 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 girlfriend, her kid sitting on top of a bunch of explosives. You shoot that guy dead, but you do it in such a way where you sever his spine, you turn him off like a light. He he drops the box and the box breaks. The added benefit is that now it cannot be remotely detonated. They they are now taken much much more away from the from the perceived danger. Mm-hmm. No one can just pick up that and press the button. You broke the box. You hit him so well. You did two things at once. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. A word of warning. Momentum should seldom be necessary to achieve the task in the first place. If a character cannot succeed without spending momentum, the test is probably not a case of needing a momentum spin, rather too much of an increase in difficulty and should be adjusted accordingly. False. That is a completely false paragraph. Completely false paragraph. Not going to increase or change the difficulty just because your character can't do it. Exactly. No, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it, D3, D4, and D5, they have those for a reason. Everyone starts with 2D20. How do you get more dice? The first way is momentum. Use momentum and get dice. The second way is to give the game master doom. Chronicle point. Dice. Or but whatever, the thing is, this? no matter how skilled you are, even if you roll double ones, on that you're only going to get four successes. You literally cannot make a D5 roll with 2D20 in 99% of cases. You just can't. No matter how awesome you are, you must spend momentum or you must give Doom. So let's talk about Doom. All right. In the course of the game, uh, forget that. The Game Master begins each session with Doom equal to the total number of fortune points. That's what Chronicle points are called. Fortune points. Possessed by all the player characters. So if you have four players at the table... And we'll just say combine, say two times four, whatever, eight. You start with eight Doom. And that goes up and down based on the momentum and how you spend them yourselves. Doom pool grows and shrinks as the player characters take actions and the game master responds. Doom is a means of building tension. The larger the Doom pool, the greater the likelihood that something will endanger or imperil the player characters. You know, if it seems too easy, it probably is. Like, man, we got through this temple, this underground temple of Doom, and we made it to the end. God, this was a cakewalk. And then the Game Master drops. Yeah, yeah. The the Game Master was saving all his accumulated Doom points for 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 the last guy, for the final boss. And now he's got he's got 15 Doom points to spend in that fight with the final boss. You know, sorry. Should he have done that? Probably not. Did he? Yep. Strictly speaking, the player characters don't know that their actions further imperil them. No, they do. No, they really they do. do. They see the beads stack up. <laughs> yeah. As they push their luck. At least they should not know in any fashion they can measure. But the players understand this. Eventually, oh, okay, okay, specific characters. Okay. Yeah, it's talking about in character. But see, it's a. Uh, when you're talking about game mechanics, it's really hard to separate your your uh, actions from the game state. You know, well, my character wouldn't do this. Yeah, but I'm looking at a giant pile of 12 Doom, and I can't force myself to make my character do something I know is stupid. So this is stupid. This is a dumb paragraph again. Eventually, in a final encounter, all of the Doom generated in the session is spent, usually in a final confrontation. That doesn't sound happy at all. No, it doesn't sound great at all. And I, I, I personally would not purpose purposefully 
hoard all of my doom just to make sure I can possibly kill everyone at the finish line. That seems that, lame as a game That's master. an adversarial game master. It is, point. and you shouldn't be that. You, you shouldn't hoard your doom. You should spend it when most thematically appropriate. That doesn't mean save it till the end. You're just being a bad guy. Uh, Doom is a mechanic. Doom pool grows because the player characters take action. They pay. Yeah, we already know that. We read some of that. Let's uh, let's find something new and interesting about Doom. Ooh, defining Doom. That game master may also what the hell. The game master may also use Doom to trigger sudden changes in the environment, bring in reinforcements on the fly, create or exacerbate complications, or exploit other problems. This is this is okay. This is very yeah, throughout the game session. Yeah, this should, how how Doom should be used. Right. Yep. Characters in the Conan stories often face an escalating series of obstacles. One problem just leads to another, which leads to another. Like you're saying before, victory begets victory, losing <laughs> begets more losing, right? Like we got one obstacle, we solved that, now we have two obstacles. Oh my god, can they go away? No, because I still have Doom Dice. Or Chits or whatever. Situations evolve and rapidly resolve into new challenges. Rarely do plans go the way they are intended, and unforeseen difficulties are the order of the day. What I would caution, though, and I only caution, I caution this out of ignorance because I haven't played this, is that getting to the point where you don't even plan because the Game Master is going to screw with it anyway. I mean, of course, the Game Master is going to screw with it a little bit. No no plan, uh, um, go, I forget the, the quote, uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. True. I get that. But... You, what you don't want to do as both a player and a game master, especially as a game master, you don't want to get the players to like, what does it even matter? Let's just go in uh, guns blazing because every time we plan, the doom dice just, or, or the, the just, doom just chits. Complicate everything and ruin our plans. Yeah. Every time. So why, why would I even make, make a plan? Just forward assault, forward assault, forward assault. Right. Yeah. I, I, I understand how, how doom and it's, it's, it's really cool that it's named doom because it, it 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 can have the ability to to uh to take away the enthusiasm from the players or to you know have them think ahead because it's just not it's not going to do anything that which is funny because it's called doom you know it, it actually it would be more apt like in uh is it alien it's called dread well uh, in mutant chronicles dread in, in Mutant Chronicles is dread because that's exactly what it does. It, it it causes dread in the player characters because all their plans are doomed to failure. If you have the wrong game master who uses dread or doom in this case inappropriately. Now, to be fair, the one to one doom is actually dark symmetry. In uh... okay, fine. But uh, um, so, but but my my point with that was like. It, Using Doom can absolutely be fun, just as in the idea of using momentum is fun. I just really want to caution, don't dick over the players to the point where they lose interest in actually trying yeah. to be interesting. An, an, an example. Uh, don't use Doom more than half the time to directly screw with players' actions. Use Doom to complicate the environment. Use Doom to bring reinforcements. Use Doom to have everyone be reloaded or or a, a gun not, not to jam, to cancel an enemy complication. Fine. Don't use Doom to screw with the player's roles. A lot. Don't use Doom to, to screw with the player's plans. A lot. Or else they'll stop making plans. Mm -hmm. 
So help your team. Fine. Don't screw with the other team using your doom. It, yeah. it demoralizes everybody. Hey, doing it to the point where they start having plan B's and C's, good. Doing it to the point where they stop caring about plans, bad. Right. All right. So, seen as the movement of Doom points, the Doom mechanic provides a way of keeping players on their toes and reminding them that a story where everything is easy and goes their way isn't a lot of fun for anyone concerned. I, I, I agree. agree with that, but I don't yeah. think you need Doom to do it. But yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I get it. Defining Doom. Strictly speaking, Doom is the Game Master's resource, a counterpart to momentum, fortune points, and skill resources like re reloads and poultices. We haven't even talked about fortune points yet. Hopefully we get to that soon. It accrues through... Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, I skipped. Yeah, never mind. Next page. Here we go. Doom, 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 doom. The player characters' missteps and risks and through the successes of non-player characters. I think we get it. I don't think we have to read more of that, do we? No, it's fine. Doom for... Again, we're just trying to show you four enemies. Okay, this is how I think Doom should be used all the time. Four enemies. Well, where did you see that? It's right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, Non-player characters use Doom in the same way player characters use bank momentum. That is, a non-player character can buy extra D20s for a skill test. Okay. Sure. Increase the difficulty of tests against them. I guess yeah, that means against struggle. Yeah. Sure. I get it. And other options solely by spending Doom. Similarly, when paying Doom from the pool rather than adding points to it, the Game Master may activate any non-player character ability or action that would normally cost Doom to use, such as reactions. Remember, that's right, NPCs don't have the same gamut of abilities that player characters do. They have to be activated through the Doom mechanic. So right. that, is, that is the sync for the Game Master. Similarly, just as player characters can add points of doom when they suffer complications, a non-player character suffering a complication can cause the doom pool to shrink. The exception to all of this is a voluntary failure. You know what I felt about this in yeah. Chronicles, yeah. right? Non-player characters can't gain fortune points, so there's no point in using them using the voluntary failure rule. There's no yeah. point in using the voluntary failure rule at all. Yeah. But I, I get what they're saying here. Now, uh, the whole like, uh, like, like, like I said earlier, if uh, if the the game master's bad guys roll a twenty twenty and get a double complication, well, he spends two doom on his bad guy to nullify those those complications. Great, great use of doom directly against the 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 player characters, like a freaking laser beam to their hopes and dreams. Bad use of doom. I'll be back in a sec. Sure. Uh, just real quickly, what uh, some stuff here? We're gonna we're gonna get to the end of this soon. This has been a long. I knew today was gonna be long, but that's fine. The the rest of these after today shouldn't be this long. Uh, immediate momentum complications, reactions, right? So a player player character attempting a reaction adds doom to the pool. It requires one point. There. Okay, hold on. I missed that. Oh yeah, four. Okay, it requires one point. For the first reaction attempted during a round, two for the second, three for the third, and so forth. So, hey, we could guess as long as you've got all that. Uh... Jeepers, creepers, cat. Involuntary failures. We're talking about threatening circumstances. The environment or circumstance of a new scene may be threatening enough to warrant adding one or two doom to the pool automatically. In a creepy temple, in an area where it's just things aren't meant to go your way. 
non-player character momentum. Spending Doom, we got we can add complications. I'm not trying to go through the entire game master section here. I want there's one part I want to get to, and I can't find it here. Complications, serious complications, other uses of Doom as non-player character momentum, non-player character special abilities. Powerful or significant non-player characters may have access to potent abilities or superior equipment. As noted in the descriptions, these abilities require the game master to spend one or more Doom to activate them. Again, if you played uh, went through our Mutant Chronicles videos, you will see that it is the same. Seize the initiative. That is right. Player characters in this game go before non-player characters. However, in action scenes, the Game Master may spend Doom to interrupt the normal action order and allow a non-player character to act early during that round. Instead of taking action... Okay, instead of taking action after all the player characters. In such cases, the Game Master spends one Doom, chooses a single non-player character or a single mob or squad of non-player characters, and has them act immediately, as described on page 107, which we'll talk about some other time. You can summon reinforcements, dramatic environments, all of a sudden the ground the, begins to shake, the yeah, wall begins the, to break. The, the bridge is starting to fray, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Matter effects, significant effects. Again, not reading them all. Pages I supposed to end on here. I feel like I've dividing the group. Oh, that, that that is common in movies where a door slams shut or a wall comes down, splitting the group into into two different smaller groups. Happens all the time. Yep. People hate it. Don't do it. But it happens all the time in movies. Tables, our group, our group never separates. <laughs> exactly, because it's stupid. Because separating is almost always the wrong move, and forcing them to separate makes everyone think you're a dick. So don't do it. And yet we did it on Friday. <laughs> well, uh, we, we didn't have the skills necessary to go with them. And smaller was better at that point. It was tactically sound. But if you're in a dungeon and, and, and you use Doom to separate the group into two by a, by a trap of some kind, they're going to think you're a dick. If you're okay thing. with that, hey, great, move forward. Last thing we'll talk about is fortune. Now, I didn't go through the player character side of it. I don't even know if there is a, a chapter on the player character side. This is the only place where I've actually skimmed it to this point. So if there's... Player characters have access to a special type of resource called the fortune points. If you remember, when Heathen Dog made his character last week, or talked about his character... We, we talked about how, how to create a character. We talked about fortune points. Mm -hmm. These points reflect the fact that the characters... That the game's here. Oh my god, these points reflect the fact that the game's heroes have ambitions and determinations above and beyond most people. You are supposed to be a step above. Yes, you are not the average Joe. The average Joe is not an adventurer. The average Joe, no matter no matter what life de deals to him, just stays on his farm, keeps his head down, and and you know pulls up turnips. That's what he does. You are not the average person. You chose to not be a farmer. I'm tired of life kicking me in the ding-ding. I'm going to go kick some ding-dings on my own. You are now a special person. You have drive. You have gumption. You have fortune. It is always better to be the ding-ding kicker, not the ding-ding kicky. That, I, that's a good way to live your life, yeah. <laughs> Whether or not they are viewed as heroes, in the traditional sense, player characters are larger than life. And that goes to the whole premise of the pulpy sword and sorcery action of this game in play fortune points are used to enable player characters to do incredible things above and beyond the ken ooh, of normal folk fortune points can be used to pull off exciting stunts provide an edge during dramatic situations or otherwise help to advance the story in order to best take advantage of this system however there needs to be a steady stream of fortune points made available to the players 
Game Master, this isn't the Game Master section of the book. This is telling you, give the players these fortune points so that they can do some awesome, cool deeds. You know? Um, like, I only get to roll 2d20 constantly, but we run across difficulty 3 and 4 things. Well, you have fortune points, right? Yeah, but I want to spend them. Well, then I won't give you any more. Yeah. And I'm not going to... So, uh... Because it's a tangible way of supporting the How Howardinian, Howardin Howardian, Howardian. There we go. The Howardian style of play and increasing the involvement of the players. The more each player participates in making the game thrilling, the plot twisting, and the characters memorable, the more chances they will get to do more of the same. Each player character usually begins each session with three fortune points. I said two before. It doesn't matter. I was just making an example and some math. Jesus. Uh, though some characters may begin each session with fewer, ha, two, and cannot have more than five fortune points at any time. Any excess points are immediately discarded. That's why you want to spend them. If the game master's handing them out like yeah, candy, you're only allowed to have... every hour, right? Then you're going to max out. Might as well spend it. So what can you do with fortune points? Add a bonus D20 to a skill test. What's the maximum number you can add, Heathen Dog? Five. Well, three. Three, well, three yeah, makes five, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Perform an additional standard action. Uh-oh. By the way, Game Master... Go again! Can, can do that with Doom also. Yes. By the way, you can only do this once. You can't do this four times per round. Second wind. A character can catch his breath and restore one stress. Overcome weakness. Player character may spend a fortune point to ignore the effects of all instances of a single type of harm. Oh, until, until the end. Because I was like, uh, but okay, until the end of a current scene. I get it. Yeah, overcome a weakness. That's a, an adrenaline yeah. rush. That's, that's for a the similar. whole combat or for, for the whole climb up this mountain or for the whole whatever. You're, 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 you're pushing through your, your, uh, your pulled tendon in your leg. You're, you're, you're no longer getting the minuses for that because your will is so strong and you're, a, you're better than most people. Very cinematic. Yes. Influence the story. A player character may spend fortune point to introduce a factor. And I remember you what you felt about this last yep. time. <laughs> I gotta say it again. Full effing stop. You do not dictate the world to the game master under any circumstance. You participation trophy little bitch. No. <laughs> no. This is a flagrant error in both thought deed and execution of this game of the d20 system as a whole this is an abject failure in thinking and execution this is awful awful i am not against it as heathen dog is but philosophically i agree with heathen dog however in a lot of my games i like the players to add to the world so to speak but guess what i always do as the game master I reserve the right to say no. <laughs> this takes that away. You never take away a power, authority, and the ability to say yes or no from the game master. Nope. So I, I like this as an option. Now, of course, I, that's how I'd run it anyway. I would just say, okay, um, you can influence the story if I say that that doesn't ruin everything else going on. Oh, uh, vampires are no longer, or all vampires are now allergic to the moon. Yes, the moon, it hurts vampires. No, no, it does not. They, they go out at night, deal with it. Um, yeah, and hang on, hang on. P people watching this now are like, well, obviously, the, you know, 
that that's not going to be hang on <laughs> nowhere in this entire description of influence's story does it say the game master is allowed to say no the only thing is the last sentence the well, game master may also declare that a particularly large or significant declaration not that's not the last sentence man keep going but that's where it says no Oh, and the game master has final say on whether or not the suggested fact or detail is valid. Oh, okay, okay. The game master can say no. But the thing is, this shouldn't be there at all. Shouldn't be there at all. You should not be able to spend points I freaking gave you against me. <laughs> that isn't that kind that of point? That is awful on several levels. That is that is abhorrent to me. But isn't that the point of fortune points to use against the game master? Then I won't give them any. <laughs> if they can be used against me directly against my story and my environment, I'm not going to give them to you. Suck it, chump. All right, almost done here. Regaining fortune points. The game master may sometimes award fortune points to a single player in the group for particularly noteworthy action. And sure. other times the game master may choose to award fortune points to all the players based on the progress. Kind of a milestone thing. As yeah, a general thing, guideline, the game master should always award players with one to three fortune points per hour of gameplay. That is absolutely ridiculous. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Who was who the idiot that wrote this game? I don't know. I'm I not don't going know. Page what, one whatever one. your name is, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You've you've given them momentum already, okay? Very, very powerful mechanic. You've already given that to them. Now you give them fortune and you're telling me to give them one to three every hour. Basically refill them every hour of all their fortune that they well, starting fortune. They can have up to five, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but they, they start with two or three. No, just like I don't give them momentum. I'm not letting them roll a D zero roll, no matter what you cry about. I'm not going to give them fortune either. They got to earn fortune. So screw you game. No. <laughs> to be very clear, we are learning this game. We have not played it. That is fine. We're allowed to talk about games we haven't played. And, uh, you know, it's up to you. If you think that this is an awesome mechanic, Again, if you said it in the past video, I'm going to say it in this one. Go buy the game. There's nothing wrong with the game. Just because it's not for him or me for different differing reasons doesn't mean it's not for you. In fact, I like Mutant Chronicles, and while he's being more positive about it now, he did not like Mutant Chronicles as much. I didn't like it as much. I, I it was it was fine. I didn't like it as much as he did. But uh, Conan has has the same problems plus a couple more. For me, for me. If you want pulpy sword and sorcery, all of these rules fit in. I like gritty, and this does not lend to gritty. So, all right. It's, uh, so, how can you give up fortune points? You can do it as rewards for good things. We already talked about that. That's voluntary, fine. That voluntary fine. failure. Okay. Oh God. Okay. Nope. Okay. Go ahead and read it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna shut up. He wants me to read it. Okay. I was going to skip it, but he said, read it. I'll read it. As described on page 100, characters may choose to voluntarily fail skill tests allowed at the game master's discretion. Aha! Game master agency. This should only be invoked when the player character has something to gain or to lose when the skill test is being made. Generally, it's not that useful to have players roll when nothing is at stake. You know, it's funny. If only it had said some of this in the, the, uh, the player's section, Heathen Dog might not have raged so much. Because it kind of says it there. Got to have a reason to roll. You can't just roll to pick up that button off the ground, right? 
So voluntarily failing a skill test provides the game master with one point of doom to be added to the doom pool, and the player character immediately gains one point of fortune in return. So you're just banking the stakes. You're just both sides. Are again, just again, this this is giving away free crap for no reason whatsoever except oh, give the player free crap. But in this one, oh, but I get a doom point too. So what? Fortune points allow you to alter the universe. Doom points allow my guys to reload. Shut the fuck. <laughs> uh, and you can have personality traits that can actually complicate your lives and you can get fortune points, yada, yada. All right. I, we're really running over time on this. So uh, just so everybody knows, uh, this is the longest. Okay. Yeah, good. We are done with this part. So let's pop up some chat, but this is the longest version of this. The way I have it broken down for the upcoming weeks isn't going to be this long. Unfortunately, skills and all this just really tied together and I had to do it all at one time. So, all right, Heathen Dog, what do you got? What do you got for chat? Hang on. I, I forgot the star one. I'm trying to find it. Okay. I don't want you all to think that we're complete haters of the game. And yes, I've already seen a couple of chats in chat saying maybe you should play the game. Maybe we should, but we don't play all the games that we cover. And, the, and we're not reviewing it as in it is a good game or it is a bad game. We're reviewing it in terms of, hey, this is what the game offers. And here are my opinions of what it's offering. That's it. Right. We want you right. to like it. Yeah. First, here's Crafty. Uh, nemesis level enemies usually th these are these are like lieutenant or boss level enemies enter the battlefield with their own pool of doom so the gm is encouraged to spend it before the nemesis enters now uh in in mutant chronicles if i remember correctly you had to spend doom to get higher level enemies into the combat right i mean you had to spend you, you dread could. or whatever it was you had was... to spend you had to spend uh the dark symmetry points in order to utilize their actions okay but... there you go yeah so you know th this this is a thing where uh where it it, in it incentivizes the game master to not hoard doom for the end because that's lame it's yeah. it's disheartening to the players you know everything was so easy be because the game master was artificially not using doom to complicate things so he can give the end boss like 18 doom and there's no way you're going to win against that it was so lame that it was written into the book Oftentimes, game masters save it until the end. Yeah, what the hell? Don't, don't do that. And this, the, the, any, any incentive for the game master to spend Doom during the game is good in my book. So I agree with this. All right, next we have uh, Derek Papas. It seems that the only way to properly judge this RPG is to play a one shot of it and have Crafty or Omanal participate and or GM it. I agree. I agree. Uh, for for me and um, maybe for, for what we've been talking about, Max as well. To really feel this game, you'd have to play it. To really feel it. To really know what's what. Yo, know, I assume giving players fortune every hour, one to three points of fortune, is ridiculous. But I haven't played the game. I haven't seen how it's done. Maybe it turns out to be bare minimum. You know, just just to just to make the game fun. Maybe that's true. That's entirely possible. So I'd have to play to be sure. But at first blush, some of these things seem ridiculous to me. And I'm going to call them out. And uh, the chance of that happening are really low. <laughs> well, at least for me. Fair, still chance. Still chance. All right, uh, Omenal, one doom to act first, three doom to roll five to 20 and use four to five doom to increase damage. This is uh, the whole, you know, you know, using and this this is how Doom should be used throughout the mm -hmm. game when you're fighting NPC enemies. 
You know, every once in a while, I'll throw a doom out there to make sure the enemies go first one round. That that'll that'll change it up. You know, or what what one of the enemies has a has a rocket launcher, and I really want him to 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 be dangerous. So I'm going to give him extra D20s. Probably not five, but extra extra D20s. Okay, great, awesome. Again, hopefully you're not banking them. This isn't like the end guy, but yeah, I like it. And that was okay. it. Okay, uh, that was it. All right. Well, there we go. That that was well for the YouTube folks out there. What do you mean it was long? It was just a video. Well. <laughs> for the stream side of it i took up like half of his segment so uh yeah, got, in, in terms of time yeah. but uh but this was the long portion of it uh up next i forget what's up next my book's over there we'll figure it out it'll be announced uh, later on this week but uh we've got sorcery to cover we've got actions to cover we have we have a few other things to cover definitely uh, that we need to get into but this was the crux of it this was the meat this was the game didn't give you every rule didn't give you every talent didn't give you every skill didn't give you every give you every nuance but hopefully you have enough of an understanding now to either say max and uh Heathen dog are idiots this game's freaking awesome or you know what make a really good point i was interested in it. then i started hearing some of what they're talking about in the game and this just doesn't work for me or somewhere in between that's all we're doing this for we okay. want you to be interested in getting the game or move on to mutant i mean uh, another game <laughs> so that's it so please like subscribe and share we appreciate all the viewers out there give us your comments tell us again tell us what your thoughts are and you know uh don't be pedantic about it but if we're really missing something let us know all right oh, Hang on. I, well, I, gotta, I gotta i gotta pee first oh i thought you that's that's what you got him no 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 uh my my wife was calling me oh, okay all right, well, he's going to go do that. So let me read some of the chat here. I haven't had chat on at all. Um, so. Um, oops. I thought it's got it. Miss HD getting any fun <laughs> You can go back and watch it. <laughs> It'll be out on the video later this week. Yeah, the. Uh. uh Oh, I thought, I thought you'd miss it. Yeah, well, he's got thoughts when it comes to this one. That's why I really don't want to take up too much of his time because I know he has thoughts when it comes to some of the stuff that he's going to be covering here. But I, but I want it to be good coverage. I, I want what he talks about in segment two to be meaningful across the three videos. So I don't want to rush him. But yeah, it sucks that, uh, that I push him this deep into it because I know he's on more of a time crunch than me. My time crunch is just how long it takes for me to get all this stuff done after the fact uh today i'll probably be up until 10 11 o'clock tonight working on all the after streaming stuff okay but uh that's that's why yeah it's, man people keep saying that they're waiting for you to cover this stuff so i'm gonna shut well, up and let yeah. you uh all right uh probably only gonna be two segments today <laughs> but that's the way it is that's what that's how the cookie crumbled you're gonna do your chi commentary right oh yeah yeah that's that'll be number two okay so what do you want you want overview and then chi or do you want the new powers uh do overview and chi okay let me let me get the screen ready hang on okay just let me know when you're ready then i'll start i want i made uh, i used that type of font purposely because i want people to cry move this down here move this up here i wish i had a sound button that would go dun, 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 dun. That would be interesting. I so would. I'd so do it right before starting the segment. <laughs> All right, go ahead.
All right, for segment two today, we are going to rush Heathen Dog through an overview of Mystic China, and then he's going to talk about the wonderful and glorious chi powers, or chi, chi concept, is it concept? I don't know, of, uh, <laughs> of the Mystic China sourcebook, which is utilized for various Palladium games. I almost made a mistake and called it a Rift sourcebook. No, it is not a Rift sourcebook. It is a Palladium sourcebook. So quickly before we do that, Gotta get there. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. And what is a better fantastic place than Mystic China, right? And the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation. We're escaping to Mystic China. We are not trying to represent it. Entertainment over activism. We are, we are entertained by Mystic China. Or are we? We'll find out. And natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. See, China just showed up and we decided, hey, we'll cover it. We don't care. I'm not sure that's how that works, but we're going with it. <laughs> Charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is honor and empower wounded warriors. Click the little QR code there or check the link below for goodness. Join us on Thursdays and Saturday evenings at twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth for the dirty casuals. Watch them play multiplayer games. Mock them. Enjoy them. Give them some love. You know what? They need love, too. You guys are great. We all just died. It was so great how you died. Thank you. You can do that. I <laughs> feel right. better now. Exactly. And here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. or now at 4.16 p.m. <laughs> Central Time. Or check out Friday Night Chill Stream, where a panel of guests opine, comment, editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. And the last disclaimer, yada, yada, he's covering the book. He's going to talk about things. I'm going to sit here and go, wow, that's interesting. Right, sir. <laughs> Subscribe, like, and share. Going to Ed McMahon the shit out of this. All right. <laughs> All right. So first off, I'm going to tell you what this Mystic China book is. Unlike a lot of Rift's books, the Rift's, Rift's books are usually world books, source books, or adventure books. A world book gives you an entirely new area or planet. For example, Africa, you know, Japan, phase world, whole new setting. Come, that comes with all new rules, comes with adventure ideas, all new items, skills, whatever. Then there are source books. These are th th these are books that usually propagate the uh, plot in riffs, and it will give you new items, like upgraded items or upgraded things, or you know specific spells created for this plot point, whatever stuff like that. And then adventure books that are adventurous stuff like that. Now in Palladium, sometimes you run across books like Mystic China, which is obviously you know should be based in china but it's not actually the setting it's culture and lore and then spells abilities items things like that about this culture and lore that fit into this culture and lore so while mystic china you think oh it's got to be set in china no no it, it's not a setting at all it, it it's just as it's just as useful if you have a a group from china Anywhere else in the world, they use Mystic China rules because they're they are the OCCs from China. They have items from China. They have spells they learn from China, so they use China rules, right? Mystic China rules. So that's what this book is about. It's not about where you are. It's about what you've learned and where you learned it, which in this case is in China. Now we're going to move over here. What games does this work with? This works with with any any Palladium game. It really does work with any Palladium game because it it does have uh, have personal SDC, so it'll work with 
you know, riffs and and uh, revise stuff and and uh, and second and you know stuff like that. It'll 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 work with all the all the current uh, uh, Palladium stuff. Um, now, is there going to be some finagling? Of course, just does it like have any, MDC. It does not have it. No, it is SDC environment. But again, it's easy to convert SDC to MDC, and there's the conversion book to give you situations where SDC stuff becomes MDC stuff, and vice versa. So it's not it's not a hard thing. But it talks about uh, character creation. It talks about uh, skills specifically from. Uh, Chinese background and lore. And it even talks about uh, Chinese language, characters, customs. Uh, you know what? As I was reading this book years ago, I thought, you know what? If, if, uh, if vapid, dumbass, uh, 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 middle-class white girls had this book to look up some Chinese characters, that a, a lot of them would have less dumb tattoos. Oh my God, my wife being Japanese, she obviously can read the kanji. She yeah, loves exactly. it when she reads uh, the tattoos that people get. Well, she really does. She actually gets angry, which is funny. But uh, yeah, I was like, too. that doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> exactly. Now, I'm not saying that this, this, is your, this is your tramp stamp guidebook, ladies. But I am saying if you had this book and looked at it a little bit, you might have dug a little deeper. Well, Eric you know? lived over there. I don't know if it's China or Japan, but he lived over there for a long time. And isn't he the main author of this book, Eric Wuchek? Yes. Uh, editor written. Yeah. So it makes sense. So he actually spent a lot of time over there. Patrick Demo. Oops, I clicked the wrong area. If you want to play Big Trouble in Little China? You play it. Screw Feng Shui. Mystic China is the way. <laughs> no, perfect. That is that is perfect. You 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 can use Chinese powers, lore, and abilities. In in your American setting, just like Big Trouble in Little China, that's perfect. Thank, thank you very you, much, Patrick. Patrick. Yep. So we're gonna look at, let's see here, uh, table introduction. Uh, here's a quick eight step review. Blah blah blah. We don't care about that. Uh, can't remember being. Uh, I'm not gonna do that either. Again, this is a little old school, and this this copy sucks. But it, this is the normal chart for attribute bonuses can uh, this book be, is this a standalone book yes so you don't need any other but like it has character no. creation and so forth it has here. character creation oh my god i did not know that yeah but but it, it only has the the uh china specific skills powers stuff like that so <laughs> if if you uh if you want to uh just make chinese characters in 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 a, in a chinese setting this is the only book you need okay if you want to graft chinese lore onto your setting you get this book as well okay and you're fine the alignments are taoist uh um chinese symbols here we go calligraphy forgery these are new new skills specific to uh, I mean, very a chinese, important a chinese i, I setting, hate to say it but chinese but, lore. sorry sorry those are very that the, the uh, calligraphy is very important over there everyone's going to have that skill probably at some at some level uh, yeah my wife talks about it quite a bit there you have to be like certified and all this other weird stuff tips on good game mastering this is common for many palladium books they they do this a lot we don't have to go into it but the main things i want to look at are the uh hey, look even hours of the day chinese hours of the day between 11 p.m and 1 a.m is the hour of the rat hour of the dragon hour of the horse 
Hour of the Pig. And here's the, the you know, the, the little placemats at all Chinese food places that, that tell you the, the this is the year of the pig or year of the dog. This one goes deeper and it gives a qualifier of metal, water, wood, fire, or earth, depending on the exact year that you're doing. Like, for example, uh, Shlo, when, when were you, what year were you born? 1973. 73. Let's look at 73. 1973. Is, is the year of the water ox. Okay. Ox is strong and steady. Water is flexible and capable of deep thoughts. Well, I'm going to go with capable of deep thoughts. He's not very flexible. <laughs> I was born in the year of the fire dragon, which is completely weird because dragon is filled with energy and fire is filled with energy, but also restless. I'm the laziest person you've met in a while. I don't understand that. So I don't have a whole lot of uh, well, stock in uh, Chinese. Chinese. Uh, What's your Chinese Western sign? I'm a Leo. <laughs> I don't, I don't have stock in astrology. To make more sense. <laughs> now, again, we have Chinese symbol and name table. And Bai, Bao, Bing, Chen. All of these have have uh, have are, are terms for uh, complex ideas. So number seven there, chi. Chi, energy. It is the same as the chi used in martial arts and studied in feng shui by geomancers. Chi is also called breath or divine breath. Other symbols with the same sound are flute and machine. And Why that last sentence was in there is the writer's discretion. Do you need that last sentence for this game? No. But there's one that's missing. It's actually a pretty important one. It's also the what? one including my wife's name. Chi is also the word for 1,000. So my my wife's name is Chi, that's, which is Thousand Summers. God, that sounds awful. A Thousand Summers? I hate summer. It's too hot. <laughs> a Thousand Summers in a row? It's hell. That Oh my God, that's hell. She's a demon. The power of a Thousand it. Summers <laughs> is hell. Especially in Alabama. Well, in Minnesota, yes. that's a blessing. But here in Alabama, no. Oh, it's, it's a curse. <laughs> So yes, I mean, uh, the, this this book actually actually gives some real world, you know, insights. Now, is it is it is it proper? Are you going to learn? Are you going to be an expert in, in in Chinese you know mythology and lore and history? Of course not, man. Of course not. This gives you just enough to be dangerous, just enough to to sprinkle your your game with actual symbolism, with actual lore. Are you going to use it correctly? Pfft, flip a coin, man. I don't know. You may, as well, you may as well roll D4 and hope you get a one. Exactly. It, it is actual information, though. Uh, Chinese to English glossary. Look at what this game gives you. Look at what this book gives you. So much. Do you need all this? No. But will a game master use some of it? Yes. Will a game master use all of it? Probably not. But he'll, he can cherry pick what he wants and what he doesn't want. Look at all this. Jesus. Glue, Jiao, Goat, Yang, God, Shen, God. Okay, in order to play this game, you have to memorize the entire no, language. You don't. Presented. This, is, this is the game master's <laughs> part. This is this is how you're going to to uh to you know show your players this this rich culture. You're gonna cherry pick certain places and you know make them think like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. You know, it's it's for flavor. And it even gives it gives it gives money. This is Hong Kong, Hong Kong dollars. Which I think is fun. Well, it, when was the book written? It was uh, it 497? 
Yeah, if it's before 97, Hong Kong before was still 97 British. And Hong Kong dollars. Now, well, that's different. Uh, the, how to save money, apparel, equipment, and supplies, period clothing, you know, uh, lore, lore specific clothing, how much they cost, clothing gimmicks, bulletproofing, a, a gi, you know, it, it, this is the specific thing for that. Medical equipment, weapons, we can move on to weapons of ancient China. This, this is stuff to put flavor into your game. Could you just use a sword? Sure. Or, or you, you could use a, a Chinese lore-specific sword or spear. The, Ooh, Sean. Sean speaks fluent Chinese. Well, I wouldn't say fluent, but yeah. No, he was, he was a linguist, so he's got to be oh, fluent. Okay, okay, you're Sean. All right, now my Sean. Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, I'm talking, Sean, who's going to be on next week? Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Are you planning on updating this, giving a modern bent? That would be something. That would be something. Now, next one I want to look at is the martial arts OCCs. These are these are specific to people who learned, grew up, or uh, in 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 China, or had a, a. If if you're in an American movie, you had an ancient Chinese master teach you things, and you would you would learn these OCCs and have these abilities. Uh, Shun Tzu, a uh, uh, philosopher, martial artist. A seeker of perfection. In practical terms, it means the character is a jack of all military trades who thinks it's just as important to learn how to drive a tank, strip a machine gun, and practice martial arts kata. When it comes to studying, the character is equally interested in a 3,000-year-old classic as Mao's writings of, on guerrilla warfare as an article on laser sights in the latest issue of Special Warfare. Okay, great. That means you're going to have skills and abilities appropriate to both ancient times and now. So you're not going to be as specialized in one or the other. You're going to You're going to be useful in many more situations great uh base sdc 25 base hit points base chi i'm going to get into chi later don't worry don't <laughs> in worry the next video in the next video but the main thing i want to look at is the abilities that these give uh chunsu heroes and role models one uh sun tzu sun tzu is without a doubt the most celebrated military thinker in the history of warfare the person who wrote that sentence is a big fan well, he's quoted book, he's been quoted all throughout the ages so he has he has has been main uh, main military text in asia for over 2000 years and the first test it, it go it goes off into into uh, uh sun tzu uh tactics and this this occ really really uh leans on these writings and teachings to form to form his basis of thought going forward then we have demon hunters the yeah. Fu Yao Da uh, Chi uh, I that was guessing. If I hit it, great. If I didn't, ask her you. I don't care. There you go. Cha Cha Chia. And uh, these 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 uh, warriors are specifically made to fight demons and supernatural threats. That's what they're for. Uh, demon hunter tricks. Uh, talking apparently talking to a, a, a Chinese demon or an oni is could get him to screw up. That's that's something that's something interesting. Entertaining demons, gambling with demons, demon hunter combat abilities, demon hunter advancement bonuses. Just because you're a demon hunter going up level, you get these you get these uh, abilities. Instead of a martial arts, you get these attacks per round. Now it says two attacks per melee round. Now remember, this is what revised, so uh, it's it, based off of not rip. So you you start off with two attacks per round, and then not four. You're, 
not anymore, but this is back in the day when it did. Mm -hmm. And then your martial arts gave you two more, one or one or two more, depending on what martial arts you got. And we move on to uh, Jian Shi, weapon-based martial artist. This is your weapon master. He specializes in uh, Chinese weapons and gets gets bonuses to hit and damage and gets gets a, a special special katas that uh, create more effects. You know, it'd be really and, nice if you're gonna put a bunch of Chinese words up here, like Nei Chia Wu Shi. Um, you probably want to put like a. a, a translation pronunciation guide at the bottom because i can almost guarantee that none of those words sound like the way that, that they spelled there you think they are, so. they're not. if it's japanese they would be but in chinese like uh yeah you can never pronounce the words no very hard uh next one i want to go to is magic where is magic and will you look actually for that? your ancient master guy remember him you hate this guy well, I hate him in, in uh, Heroes Unlimited. I don't know if I hate him here. Probably. Probably hate him here too. Well, you're looking for magic. Uh, the uh, Xixing. It's spelled uh, X-I-N-S-H-E-N-G. And look at the table of contents. That's probably the best way to go. For magic. Yeah. Now, the, the cool thing about magic in this game is they, they have, they have uh, three different kinds of magic that is similar to but different to Western magic. And one of them I, I think is is neat and i want to get into that that is the uh celestial calligraphy page 65 is that like rune magic no it is not chinese rune magic. celestial calligraphy this is a special kind of magic where the spell is paid for written down basically like a scroll but that's the only way the the calligrapher the calligrapher can cast spells writing them down beforehand pulling them out and burning them to activate the spell now the upside is you've already done all of the verbal and somatic components the only thing you need to do to activate the spell is burn it silence cones of silence mean nothing to you having one hand bound means nothing being underwater, except for the fact that you can't burn things, means nothing. If you can burn that piece of paper, the spell goes off. That's that's actually a bonus. You can prep all your spells beforehand. That's a bonus. Now, if you lose your satchel full of paper, that's a minus. <laughs> but I, I see in in a in a lot of uh, of anime where you there, where there, there's that priest who pulls out this uh, rectangular. Uh, piece of paper with a whole bunch of writing on it and throws it at somebody it burns up in the air and then a magical effect comes up that's this i like that and this and this this book introduces it to palladium i like that idea i like it a lot and then we get to chi now in palladium chi is uh is is quite chi magic here page 68 are you starting it, the it, second part of this or is this like a no, 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 i'm not okay. starting yet chi magic mystic china is a world flowing with chi thus it's only logical that the creators of chinese magical tradition would have turned their attention to ways of manipulating and, and controlling chi from the dynasty of the legendary sage emperors over four thousand years in the past thousands of wuxi have built on that magical heritage 
on the multitude of spells. Those in the following list have withstood the test of time and are considered reliable for teaching to ambitious apprentices. Now, this book not only gives you the concept of chi, special chi powers, but also chi magic. This, this is magic only, it can only be used by people who understand the, not only the existence of, but the ebb and flow of positive and negative chi. So normal Western practitioners can't even learn these spells or these abilities until they are taught to appreciate, control, manipulate chi energy. Now, thematically, it's absolutely essential, right? I mean, uh, uh, throughout all the stories you've, you've read, all the Dragon Ball episodes you've watched, you understand the importance of, of sensing and understanding the flow and ebb of chi. It is absolutely essential to most supernatural effects in, in, in many, you know, Southeast or Eastern Asian lore. I get it. And it is properly represented thematically in that way in this book. You have uh, spells of living chi, uh, types of living chi, uh, magical combat using chi, chi magic from a Western perspective, how, how a, a Western mage would look at this stuff. And then how we uh, screw it all up. My level. What's that? I said how we screw it all up. How we screw it all up. Exactly right. Gives you the spells by level, chi magic and celestial calligraphy. Can you use celestial callig calligraphy with chi magic? Yes, you can. It gives the spells. So does this work like traditional magic in like playing yes, fantasy? Yes, PPE. But you need to be trained in the in the sensing and manipulation of chi energy to even learn these things, let alone use them. So you still use the same spell mechanic as all of Palladium using PPE. Now there is an area in here where I'm trying to get to that is actual chi powers because they have that in this book. And chi powers are different than chi magic? Chi powers are different than chi magic. Yes. I'm going to explain that once I find this. Chinese alchemy. Wait, oh, that's another thing. Yes. Uh, in, 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 in Chinese lore, uh, even in, in, the, in the aforementioned uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, the, 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 the main character got immortality by, by a, uh, an alchemical potion. That, that is, that is uh, common in Chinese lore to obtain immortality, a potion of some kind. That's a common trick to do it rather than do the work over, over centuries of, you know, aligning your chi and, and becoming one with the world or whatever. You can just drink a potion, become immortal. Now there's downsides, of course, but there all, like there's, there's also other, yeah, there's downsides. Of course. There, there's, there's also other uh, Chinese alchemical potions that, that once you have this skill and are trained in this area, you can, you can uh, simulate many of these effects like uh, impervious to fire or walking on water or flight or indestructibility. Now, most of these things are fleeting. Whereas you, you just, just like in Dungeons Dragons, you drink and, 1d4 rounds you are whatever you're invisible or whatever you know it there's a time limit but the bonus is you can make it again right now of course in in chinese lore taking the same potion over and over and over again always has a bad side effect and of course it does in this game as well but we don't need to get into that because that's something you don't tell the players right away Shh, quiet. 
<laughs> you you, you let not, him drink that fire resistance potion all day until something bad happens. Now it's on video though. Legendary elixirs. Mudra, Mudra. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. This this is uh this is a power of of uh stances. Now in in a in a lot of uh of uh, uh Chinese martial arts, stances give you advantages and disadvantages in this case supernatural ones like ox stance makes you makes you very hard to move or or uh you know bull stance ma makes it easier for you to push through things and do damage stuff like that well we have mudra of self-possession mudra of protections uh mudra of evocations and it gives you explanations. This this first mudra is taught to any student of meditation. It works to calm the mind, lending peace to the user. If a character is hurt or missing chi, ISP or PPE, this mudra will help the character recover missing points at the usual rate. So this you don't need to uh, normally to regain PPE, ISP, stuff like that at an increased rate. You have to either sleep, meditate, or at least rest. Well, in this one, performing this this stance or performing this series of movements replaces that you can do this instead hmm. and as you can see this is all very naruto-esque uh hand hand gestures part of me you is know? like who cares but the other part of me is like that's actually pretty cool he went into such detail that yeah uh, he went super super detail was was taken in this expert level detail no but for for a, a novice game master who has no idea what what uh, Chinese lore is, this is very very this is overly detailed to to get the the you know result you wanted when you bought the book. You're getting more than what you paid for, basically. It's good. And we move past the mudras. Ooh, what's this? Oh, these are. Okay, I'm I'm gonna try and find those. Wait, that looked pretty Dragon Ball Z ish, didn't that? Yeah, that was like Dragon Ball Z. -ish. You're absolutely right. Uh, chi powers. There we go. One one fifty three. One fifty three. Now, if you if you are conversant in chi, if you have been taught the understanding of how what chi is, how to sense it, how how to sense its ebb, its flow, how to gather it or move it away from places, then you have a certain level of ability and you have access to specific chi powers. These are specific to this book and to ninjas and super spies that deal with chi specifically. And some of these powers are quite interesting. Let's let's look at let's look at some of these abilities. Uh, the power of chi manipulation or chi mastery. Only characters with at least one chi mastery ability under the, understand how to use the power of chi. Even then, characters must focus their chi on a particular ability before it can be used. Focusing takes one melee round, about three seconds, but can be done during combat if you want to or any other time. Now, wait, 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 it says one melee round one, action. Yeah. Any chi power, any chi mastery power whatsoever, you get these chi abilities automatically has the following three abilities chi awareness chi relaxation and defend against chi attack this is on ninja super spies page 118 okay Be you can sense chi chi awareness all right that that that's easy any chi mastery power you're taught this first okay great now th these are other chi abilities if you have any of these you have the, you have the the three basic ones too radiate positive chi heal the mind this is great for crazies. Watch this. You can temporarily, 
offset any insanities a person might have might have for 1d4 hours per level of experience of the chi master nah that craziness is just too embedded <laughs> there is a there there is a caveat healing mental uh manipulation or damage blah blah, blah. uh where is it at says here no it is impossible to heal an insanity that a character is either born with or comes about as a result of the character's own guilt slash self-blame or self-hatred so great you can't cure my depression <laughs> yeah yeah your your if your depression was brought about by your own actions this cannot heal you but if something was done to you brain damage from a fall brain damage from crazy augmentation you can get temporary relief from this chi power. That's neat. I like that. I think that's cool. Negative chi mastery. These are these are no, positive and negative chi does not mean good and bad. Oh, positive and, and negative chi is a state of charge. It's not inherently good or bad. It just is. So for, uh, negative chi abilities are. Come on, where are you? Uh, negative chi polarity. By manipulating negative chi in an area, the character can change the chi so it becomes magnetic. After this is accomplished, any character, animal, or thing of positive chi is pulled toward the source of negative chi. And, just, and just like the opposite, negative chi is forced away from you. Inflict negative chi illness. By inflicting an accumulation of morbid chi upon a victim, it is possible to infect the character with a chi-based illness. Now, once you are trained in chi, you are subject to its rules. If you have no chi or no positive chi in your body, you cannot heal normally. You can't heal with positive chi? No, no, no. If you have no positive chi in your body. Oh, okay. You cannot heal. If you have negative chi in your body for extended periods of time, you will get sicker and eventually die. It doesn't mean negative chi is bad because uh, one of the abilities granted if you get a negative chi power is the ability to purge yourself of negative chi and absorb negative chi. So you can empower yourself and bleed it off when you're done. Uh, control revulsion, uh, Ao Da Zhong. That's again, I'm guessing the idea is to inflict a lot of potential damage in the character's delivery. One, uh, they'll be tougher, and two, they'll be able to handle it when it comes to combat. For example, a character's shoulders are dislocated so he she can learn to pop them back in without assistance. The bones of the hand and arm are also broken and broken again so that they grow back stronger. Bonuses plus three savers pain with an additional plus one at seven and 14th levels, plus two to PE and plus 15 to SDC. These are these are a uh, Demon Hunter body hardening exercises. The body hardening exercises in this book and in the book of Ninjas and Super Spies are amazing. They give blanket bonuses once you learn the ability. It's it's very much like the like any any uh, 80s martial arts movie training montage. <laughs> that's what that's what body hardening exercises are. The the whole training montage where where the where the initiates hands are being forced into into sand and then gravel and then rocks you're slowly hardening your skin to get the ability to punch and and de and defend against blows with your hands more effectively that is 
a body hardening exercise in this book. And it gives that effect. There, there's there's also, I don't, I don't know if a lot of younger people in the audience probably probably don't remember this, but there there was a thing when uh when Elvis was uh was 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 doing his shows in Vegas where he would he would have a, a bow staff put against his neck and he would walk toward the person holding the bow staff. The bow staff would bend and then snap on it from being forced from his neck. He did body hardening exercises on his torso and neck to be able to do that, letting him resist damage. This book has that as a body hardening exercise, giving you extra SDC, and in some cases, natural armor rating. So if you are a fan of, of uh, old 80s movies, and you want to emulate that in your Palladium game, this book and Ninjas of Super Spies is for you. It's your deal. So, like, like I said earlier, this book is not a location book. It is not a, a book you can you can say, oh, this is based in China. All I need is this book and I can run a game in China. No, it is not a world book. It is not a book about the China location. It is a book about Chinese lore, Chinese customs, Chinese ways of doing things. If you want to introduce that into your location, this is the book for you. If you have, uh, if you already have uh, China as a as as a set, as a uh, as a location you're already playing, this book is an amazing supplement to also get the feel of China on top of the location. For example, if you are running a a Palladium uh, Heroes Unlimited game and you are chasing a bad guy to China, having this Mystic China book in your arsenal will allow you to introduce the Chinese lore and feel to your visiting, you know, probably American uh, superheroes and let them feel a little bit of awe and a little bit of, I'm, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore. To, and it, it will make them get local guides. It'll make them learn a little bit more about local culture. It'll make the game more fun and immersive. That's what this book is for. If you use it that way, you're doing a good job. If you try and use it as a, as a guide to all things China for, for role-playing, end-all, be-all, for you know location, location, and lore, you're not doing it right. You're, 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 this book is not built for that. It's built to interject the lore and mysticism of ancient Chinese secrets into your campaign. So let, that's let cultural me appropriation. This yeah, is America. Like thing is culture appropriation. America is a melting pot. Remember I that. You. I was going to say that. <laughs> I know you were. That's why I took it. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So let, let's look at the. Let, let's look at some of the some of the chat. I'm sure some of it is going to be. No, you pronounced it wrong. Yeah, there is you some guys, of that. I you guys it. should do a digest on Rips Coalition Manhunter sooner than later. I mean, you don't have to, but it'd be a whole lot cooler if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't I do the mercenary? The no, I did the uh the you did uh, those coalition secrets. Yeah, uh yeah, yeah. Uh, secrets Heroes, to the coalition states, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Secret, yeah, I, mean, I did that one. That was awesome. But okay, Manhunters, I'll I'll look into it. That's fine. Sounds like the Diabolus from Fantasy. Who does? That was the the celestial oh, oh, the, the celestial calligrapher. Yeah. No, no, no. He's much more useful than Diabolus. Much more useful. Diablos is a one-trick pony. 
I thought this segment was supposed to be spicy. That's coming up next. I got some thoughts on Chi. It's that there it is. There it is. Well, There's there the are a few others. I did this one because it was shortest. Okay. Mudras. Okay. Prove it. I, I'll take the L on that one and I don't care. <laughs> I say prove it. My wife's Japanese. Well, She's the Chinese. only one allowed to correct me on Japanese. Nobody can speak Chinese. We know it's already true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one no one speaks Chinese. Even in, even in China, they don't speak Chinese. So it's fine. <laughs> I knew Elvis did some karate, but I had no idea he was a chi master like that. He was. He was a chi master like that. As, as a matter of fact, if you uh if if you go to YouTube after after you're done watching this, go go to YouTube and search Elvis Bostaff neck search. You'll probably find a video of him doing it. He did it a lot on in his, in his Vegas shows toward the end of his life. He did it a lot. Okay. Let me uh I don't have everything up. There we go. Like, subscribe, and share. Now, the next video, just to give you a little heads up, Heathen Dog's got some thoughts about some things that might make you feel ways about stuff when it comes to this Mystic of China book. Because right now you're enthralled. You're like, this is the greatest book ever. And he's going to rip that rug out from underneath you. But how? Why? Or am I lying? I could be very much lying because he hasn't told me what he's going to talk about. We'll find out in the next video. So I hope to see you there. I got to practice my cliffhangers. That's true. All right. For our final segment today, and those people watching the stream are probably like, thank God people watching the video is like, it's just another video, dude, whatever. But uh, it's been a long one today. And uh, thanks to Heathen Dog for letting me take up half his time. It's great. I guess I get to do that when I own the channel, right? Yeah. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPG and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Hey, Max, you didn't tell us what it's about. It's three letters if you can't read that. All right, all right. Stop berating the audience. Okay. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, national nonpartisan organization whose mission is honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make a tax-deductible donation. Hopefully, I can't say it's for sure tax-deductible, hopefully tax-deductible donation. And there is our schedule. I'm not even going to do the schedule thing now. That's right. We're going to jump into chi. Heathen Dog is waiting to pound a table, break some lanterns. I don't know what he's about to do, but he's going to talk about chi in the Mystic China book. To subscribe for more chi or right, what you got the lack thereof or the lack thereof. In, in palladium chi is stupid oh it it was implemented poorly the mechanics are ridiculous it shouldn't exist in the form that it's in i understand kevin oh my god kevin i understand i completely understand it's necessary for the lore in both China and Japan, if you're gonna if if, if you're going to make uh, a system about that, you need to include the concept of chi. I get it, and you're right, you do. But the mechanics that are presented in Palladium are ridiculously bad, just horrible. Example: In the last video, I went over chi magical spells. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem. Magical spells are powered by potential psychic energy, PPE, throughout the Palladian universe. 
Chi spells are apparently no different. You still must spend PPE to use them. But you also must have at least one point of chi. Why? What? Why does it even cost PPE? Why doesn't it just cost chi? Well, that's changing the mechanic. Well, you just did. You just did. You changed the mechanic. You must now use PPE and have chi. Why? Because I said. Unbelievable. And when when you have a character that has chi powers, now everyone must have a chi stat, which luckily is your physical endurance. That's how much positive chi you have in your body. But now they are vulnerable to all of these attacks. There are chi attacks that will drain you of positive chi. And if you get to a negative, if you get to zero chi, you can't heal. If you do not have some kind of chi mastery, you cannot increase the chi in your body. You just killed the other guy. Slowly, over time, he will die. Heathen dog, I don't understand. Here it is. I'll break it down. This is Joe. Joe doesn't understand chi. He's from uh he's he's from he's from uh Ohio. This is Wang Su. He is from China. He understands chi. Joe doesn't know chi exists. Wang Su goes, ah! Did no damage to Joe, but drained him of all his chi. Joe cannot sense chi. He cannot move it, which means he cannot put chi back in his body. And it doesn't happen naturally. That's the rub. The way the chi mechanic is, you do not regain your chi over time naturally. You cannot. Only if you have are have a chi mastery power can you do this. Joe can no longer heal. He goes, the other guy goes back to China. Joe <laughs> goes, goes about his day. He's like, oh, that guy hit me. It didn't do anything. I'm great. Over, you know, the next day he gets a paper cut. 18 years later, he still has a paper cut. It's a hemophiliac. He's still bleeding. Of course, he's not going to live that long because you stub your toe. That never heals. Hit your funny bone that never heals. You know, you, you accidentally cut yourself with scissors. It never heals. You're going to die in slow motion and there's nothing you can do about it. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. So no doctor skill, power, drug, medicine, or whatever it can break through. Nope. Wow. Nothing. Now, I'm fairly certain that magic can heal you, but you are forbidden from healing naturally if you have no positive chi. You cannot naturally heal. And just to clarify, that's not just for chi masters. That's for people who, Everyone. like you said, don't even... They don't know what they don't know that chi exists. But if a chi master takes away all their positive chi to make them zero, eh, eh, they're done. Now... If, if, a, if a negative chi master injects negative chi into someone's body, they will get sick and die. And there's nothing anyone can do about it unless they rid them of the negative chi. And guess what happens? It doesn't, it doesn't clear itself up over time. It stays there forever unless another chi master takes it out. So if you have no, no positive chi in your body, you can't heal. If you have any negative chi in your body, you take damage every day until you're dead. And you can't heal.
Woo! It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Because it means that unless you are also a chi master, you are at the mercy of anyone else who is. Anyone can insta-win by hitting you one time and running away. They will dance on your grave. Unless you can you can buy a chi master to, to help save you. But if there are no chi masters around... Just have to hope everybody's principled or aberrant. Yeah, you got to hope that. Yeah. An- another thing about about chi that I really don't like at all is uh, a lot of these chi abilities uh, are extremely either overpowered or insanely weak. For example, you can you can uh, move positive chi to a house or a glade or a a shack or a well or whatever increase the positive chi in an area while in this area people heal faster how fast do you say one point per day sdc or hit points depending on how you're damaged one per day that's it maximum or the other side is dim mock they punch you you hit they hit you you die yep a favorite ability you just die well, you it's, just you've die. got days. You've got days. But you're going to die. Yep. You're going to die. Sorry. And uh, also, the, uh, the, there's, there is a chi ability that allows you to, uh, to do a, a haiduken and uh, <laughs> hit someone with, a, with an, an invisible energy that can't be dodged. You just hit them. Yay. Okay. You can infuse an area with negative chi. That means people who reside in the area will slowly get sicker over time and die. Can they do anything about it unless they're a chi master? No, they got to move. They got to get out. Okay. That could probably explain a lot of the 80s horror movies. <laughs> you know, they, they, they move into a house. It's the Amityville house. Oh, it's cheap. It's fine. A lot of people died. Oh, that just made it, that just made it affordable. Then the walls start bleeding. The only the only right answer is to get your shit and move out. That's the only answer because there's literally nothing else you can do. If you stay there, you will die. So, so how, she, how does this cause problems directly for a game built on the premise of this type of setting? Here's the problem in Mystic China in particular. Like I said, Mystic China is not a world book. It is not a location. There, there is no, there is no guide for running campaigns in China, which means you probably aren't in China using aspects of this book, which means there aren't a lot of chi masters around by definition. And that makes chi all the more worse because it's so damned unbalanced. It unbalance it can chi can unbalance an entire campaign. An entire campaign. It's uh th- think of it like this. Even though in, in Shadowrun this this idea is built into the game, it actually tells you this. If you don't have a mage and the other side has a mage, they're probably gonna win. If you don't have a street samurai and all mages, 
and they have a street samurai and the rest mages, they will probably win. In, if you're using aspects of Mystic China, Qi specifically, on your side, you also need a Qi master or things are going to go south real fast. Real fast. So could that be we, the point of the book? That would be the point of the book? No, no, I'm asking, could it be the point of the book? Because the intent is, if you're going to use it, you have all of that readily available. But, yeah, but the thing is, it, like, like I said, it's not built to, to be uh, a world book. So you, you're not going to instantly have access to, uh, to all of this at the beginning. It's built to be a lore book. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's not built to have everyone be Chinese. I mean, you, you can, and that's, that's actually better. It, it makes Chi less broken. But if, if at least one person is not a Chi master on your team and you're facing against an enemy Chi master, you're probably going to lose and lose badly. But the and thing lose is, over time, lose right away. Yeah, lose. that's the worst part. You're going to lose over weeks as you slowly die from wounding yourself or from getting sicker and sicker because you have negative Chi infused inside you over the long term. So this game has real balance issues, real balance issues. You can't just introduce this and, uh, and expect it to go smoothly. You have to have a plan. You have to plan this out very methodically, very carefully, or else you're going to unbalance your entire campaign. Chi is that broken and that badly used in Palladium. Everyone's got to have access to it. Or the other sides, the other the side that doesn't is going to die. Okay. All right. So, what do we got for chat? I just started three of them. Um, I wonder if you have to be a chi master. I remember reading chi will return if you rest in high chi environments. It's only death touch, demok or demok in this game, uh, that's uh, that stops chi from recovering. If you rest in in uh, in high chi environments, if you don't know what chi is. You, you can't seek out these high chi environments. The, these high chi environments are, are, are the, uh, the English equivalent of fairy circles, right? You don't just find them every day. You don't stumble across them. You know, they're, they're virgin wilderness, natural high chi environments are virgin wilderness, you know, uh, 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 triple waterfalls, stuff like that. It's not your bed at home. That's not a high chi environment. If you don't know what chi is, you're just going to die. What else we got? Uh, apparently, people can hear my cat screaming. I usually ignore it now, but... Uh... Okay, what's next, please? Uh, the provides conversion book. One has optional rules to change chi to ISP and make them silent. That, that is an excellent way to do things. And it, it had to wait to riffs to, to make everything, you know, homogenous. I get it. <coughs> Excuse me. And yes, I would definitely uh, change Chi to ISP. Uh, I, I would say that Chinese and Japanese people call ISP Chi. I would say that. That's and then fair. just have Chi be psionics. That is a much better way to do things. 
for game for game mechanics purposes. Yes, yes for, for game mechanics purposes, and and to to make sure you're you're not screwing over round eye, then yeah, that's exactly what you should do. Patrick Damo says so. These are cheat powers or cheat powers? If yeah, if if you're the only one playing by chi rules, you're gonna win, because your rules, if if uncountered, are too op. They are. They're too op. And finally, sorry, gotta get this on screen. Chi can be helped and fueled by affinity to the elements, and work with the nadies. Uh, in in the buildup of electromagnetic energy, as shown in the formation of it between the hands movement forms. I think that's a mood with a mood, whatever the hell, the okay. mudras. Yeah, uh, yeah, the the mudras. Yeah, I, I get it, I get it, and that 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 is fair. Now, uh, if 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 everyone knows mudras and 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 knows about chi, then it's an even playing field. That and that and that's fine. You know, every, every, everyone knows the rules. But, but for random folk like me, yeah, it, it, it's especially in ninjas and super spies, they have the same problem. It's worse there though because it's it's specifically based in Western countries. But you have chi powers, which these Western people aren't going to know anything about. They're just going to up and die. And because Mystic China is not a location world book, you have you can end up with that same problem. And they don't address it in Palladium. They do not address it. The imbalance of putting chi in your campaign. Everyone's got to learn it or someone's going to have a bad time. Probably the player characters. All right. So what are your thoughts, folks? Do you think Heathen Dog is completely out of his mind? You are kidding me that you don't understand Chi? Well, let us know in the comments. Or is he right? And now you're not alone. Somebody else has seen the flaw that you've seen, and he's come out and he's vocalized it. And one more thing. You've probably already stopped watching because I put up the subscribe logo, and you're like, this video is done. But there's one more thing here. Next week on 12 March at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, Kevin Sambita is going to be here. And maybe, maybe somebody can ask him about Chi. I don't know. Just saying. It, it could come up. Oh, Sean, yeah, gonna... Sean is going to be here. He actually has a background in China. I don't, I don't really care about, about Chi as historical or lore-wise. Just mechanics. Just mechanics. I get you. I'm just trying to put it in the context of having them both here. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, anyway. uh, so they'll both be here next week. If you want to have the opportunity to ask Sean or Kevin a question or get a thought out there, as long as it's not disrespectful, we have our Discord. Our Discord is in the information below. Come to our Discord. Ask the question. Let us know it's a question for Kevin or Sean. And we will probably try to ask it. Well, we'll try to ask it next week. Again, as long as it's not a disrespectful question. Because we're looking for more of your questions, your comments, your ideas to be brought up. Because we've done a lot of ours already. We have a couple. We have some things we're going to bring up, but uh, what do you guys? So with that, that is the end. We are not going to have a segment three today. I don't no. care. But I want to. I want to look at this though. Okay. The the chi dying thing might be intentional. Lots of those movies have the characters die long after getting hit in a special way. That's true. Cinematically, it's awesome. But think of you at the table. You get hit by some guy. Didn't hurt. He runs away. And. For some reason, you're, you're slowly dying over days and days and days, and there's literally nothing you can do about it because you and no one around you knows anything about Chi. How are you going to feel about that? 
oh, that was cinematic. No, you're going to be pissed. You're going to be super pissed off that that you died in slow motion and, <laughs> and you can feel the Game Master laughing at you the entire time. You're going to be pissed. A punch might be thrown, and I'm not going to fault it. We got a couple more that are popping, and all of a sudden, uh, that no healing bit reminded me of Poison Disease Effect Wizardry 7. That game, you had something that could counter them, or they keep happening even if you revive the character. Well, that's the thing. Is there's nothing if you don't. That's that's the point that Heathen Dog's yeah, trying to make. If, if you don't know about it, you can't counter it. Yeah, you can't fix it. If you don't know about it, you can't fix it. If you can't sense Chi, there's nothing you do about it. Nothing. You're just screwed. Dying five sessions after getting Chi punches a bit of bull hockey. Eh, yeah. If you're yeah, but if you're playing with characters that can demock demock, I keep forgetting that to change it. This, uh, no, no, enemies that can demock you. Yeah. Then the game master should, should give you give you uh, an idea of how to remedy your situation. But in this book, by the rules of the book and just by by a flat reading of it, he doesn't have to. <laughs> he doesn't have to. So, all right, like I said, we're not going to have a segment three today. We have run late, but I do want to tell everybody that uh, we'll have some words of wisdom here real quickly. We'll roll out. It will roll you into Victor's The Dutch Oven Show. So if you want to tell him, hey, Legion of Myth sent you, that will be awesome. Uh, we are sorry for not having the call-in stay or the comments again, but uh, segment one went crazy long, and I appreciate Heathen Dog giving me the time to do that. But uh, next week, it won't be as long. I don't need to do that again. So Actually, next week, you won't have it at all. because Yeah, that's true. Next week, we yeah. might be longer. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, the, the next time we do Mutant Chronicles, the segments will be a bit Come shorter. On. This is just the tough one that I had to get through. So, all right, let's get this stuff you up on the screen. What's that? I meant what? You meant to say Conan. What did I say? Mutant Chronicles. Oops, same game. Oh, obviously not. Obviously not, right? All right. I want to thank all folks for being here. Uh, I have no words of wisdom other than uh, you know, this episode went long, but I thought it was a lot of good info. Hopefully you guys liked it as well. And I'm going to let Heathen Dog carry us out of here and thumbs up when he's ready for me to hit the theme song. All right. No, not right now. <laughs> no, not right now. Uh, now, I, uh, I, I spoke I spoke some some mean things about Conan and and uh, Palladium Chi today. And I met them all. I'm not, I'm not backtracking shit. I yeah. met everything. I have problems with uh with uh um the 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 two two d twenty system uh take taking onus away from the game master and 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 giving it to the player in places. I always think that's wrong, but the thing is, if I were to buy the book and play it, guess what I own the book. Guess what I also own a pen, <laughs> and I can change the book all I want. So I am not I'm not gonna have trouble sleeping tonight because Conan is this way. I just don't have to play it that way. And that's fine. And I'm not going to lose sleep that that palladium chi is just implemented in a ridiculous fashion. I'm just going to change it. J just like it said in chat. Just, just like what the riffs conversion book did turn it into ISP, Ma make him psionic powers. That way it's not a special mechanic. It doesn't have caveats and addendums all attached to it. And everything works itself out. That's the perfect fix. So, you know, if, if you want, if you want the lore, please, you know, buy the book, whether it be Mutant Chronicles, whether it be Conan, 
or Mystic China or Ninjas and Super Spies. Whatever you don't like about a book, at your table, you can change as long as everyone at the table knows the changes you made and says, yay. It's your table, your rules. You can have your fun. 